0: Hi, it's Mateo Calera. I'm the co-creator of Black Science and listening to 11 O'Clock Comics.
1: I got no problems at all with that. I was
2: going to say, man, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah,
1: that was excited. I was excited to hear wow, that. Well, it's a
2: Book of the Month, man!
1: Yeah. It's a patron-sponsored but episode, Book of the Month.
2: How, how could that be great?
1: I don't know. You're <laughs> going to have to find an answer to that. I have none. Well, stay tuned. They might know. Okay. I
0: have 99 problems and Defenders ain't none.
1: It's true. I kept the feel-good train rolling, too, for my inner travels. Oh, fuck. I'm going to your travels. Oh, you've been reading a ton of stuff. Pick something. Something. Yeah, just pick anything. And we have handpicked it just for you. That's right. It's eleven o'clock comics, episode seven hundred and forty-five. And it's also a special episode. It's the book of the month. Yeah. What's not to be excited about? I'm Vince B. Oh, uh, I'm excited about that. I'm David A. Price. Wow. You're easily excited then. Wow, just just run with it. And of course
2: I've gone by
1: many
0: names over the millennia. Amos Moses, Living Hulk, Living Titan, Richmond Wagner, The Magic Planet. But of course you all know me best as Zemnu.
1: Wow, yeah, I like Zemnu a lot. You could be him. I'll let you be him. I'll call you Zemnu for the rest of the right. episode. He big and fuzzy. Yeah, okay. with like a iron dome. That's okay. He's cute. Can you imagine term. a
0: plush of Zemnu? That would be awesome. Well, he's the Build-A-Figure for one of the lines that are of the Marvel Legends right now.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to buy a lot of poop to get the Build-A-Figure, though.
0: I, I'm Dude, not, I'm, the most janky Build-A-Figure move of all time is making the Falcon-capped
1: wings yes, Build-A-Figure. Yes, I agree. I that agree. That
0: is horrendous.
1: Yeah, they should have been ashamed of themselves. Yeah. But there is a subset of people that should not be ashamed of themselves, and that's our patrons, because they are the ones making this possible. Yes, it's true. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. The hordes, the legions of nameless ones that come in and support us each and every month make all of this stuff possible for you. You guys benefit from their, let's call it donations, because that's what they are. And uh, there's, Book of the, uh, not, there's the Book of the Month Club on which you guys can vote. There's the cover of day. There are previews videos. There's Jason's original art posts. Dap stuff. Everything is on the Patreon. And you should see it. It's beauteous. So go there. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Look around. Have a seat. If you like it, stay a while. There you go.
0: Yeah. Get yeah. all comfy. like get the butt print into the couch oh yeah where the padding just just weighs down from the ass being in the same spot all the time (laughs) My God. (laughs) what are you drinking jason coffee no no i had a coffee um that i finished up about 10 minutes before we started recording so i'm just drinking the nectar of the gods aka
1: h2izzo nice i am drinking the same only mine is cherry limeade Mm. yeah it's very good she brought one home today. It has a bomb pop on it, and it's called Red, White, and Blue Pop. Seltzer? Uh, no, uh, sparkling water. Well, yeah, okay. That that and it's seltzer, from Walmart, Clear American, and uh, I had to PC try it. Zero calorie, you don't like the whole thing? Yeah, like, yeah. Huh? I I had to try it on the spot because I'm a big fan of the raspberry, and uh, I I have very fond memories of the Bomb Pops walking around the neighborhood with, with uh, blue lips. So I said, what the hell? I'll try this. It was, it was good, and, but it needs to grow on me. Like, I'm not an instant—I don't buy into any kind of flavored water right off the bat. I have to, you know, I have to decide and mull it over and deliberate. Do I like this? I don't know. Let me try another bottle. So jury's still out, but I think it's good. It just may not be as— great as the cherry limeade was that cherry raspberry
0: basically is that what it was yeah
1: cherry raspberry and maybe a hint of vanilla just for the white of the bomb pop mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't bad it wasn't bad i it may be my favorite who the hell knows it, it could develop we'll see N- more news coming as <laughs> if anybody gives a shit tap <laughs> what are you
2: drinking uh all for one and one for all tonight dudes. mine's from the tap though
1: you're lucky you can drink water from the tap.
2: I am very lucky, and I'm taking advantage of it every chance I fucking get. Nice. I'll say that. Yeah, you know, we, we, we do the. We do the. Uh... Used to do bottled water all the time at the old place. Yep. That's what we do, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's probably marginally better than the tap, but at least it makes you feel better that you're drinking something that's has the rubber stamp of somebody in a back room that says, yeah, send the water out. You well, know? our tap just tastes janky. It tastes like iron. Yeah. 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 yeah all right let's do this book of the month this is going to be a long haul relatively because there's a lot of stuff going on it is of course the defenders omnibus volume one and uh let me grab it wow there's a, a ton of names attached to this thing most notably roy thomas uh steve Engelhart. right who else have we got in here we have uh sal basima for the most part on pencils Then you got Len Wein writing, Tony Isabella, Stan, but it's a reprint, Bill Everett, Steve Ditko, Denny O'Neill, Chris Claremont, um, and I was going to go into the pencilers, Ross Andrew, um, who was pretty much raped by Bill Everett.
2: Yeah, we're going to get into that. We'll get into
1: that. Uh, Gene Colan, Marie Severin, my girl, Herb Trimpey. Don Heck, Bob Brown, Jim Starlin, Jack Kirby, Bill Everett, Steve Ditko, Gil Kane. Some guy, Gil Kane at the end. They just tack him on because he, you know, he does exemplary work. But anyway. You're the best for last. Yeah. Um, Jason needs to ask his question.
0: For sure. Um, regale us with your first experience reading The Defenders and uh, – I think for the sake of this, considering what's in the Omnibu, that would also include their pre-titular first appearances.
1: Yes. Well, I think, I'm not entirely sure, uh, because I have to admit, it didn't make a colossal mark on me when I originally read it. Um, the villain did, but I'm I'm 90% sure my first issue of Defenders was issue three. And it was one of those things where I got it in a trade deal where I wanted an amazing Spider-Man and I had to pony up some other stuff. And in order to sweeten the pot, the
3: uh,
1: the person I traded with threw a couple of other comics on it. I, I'm pretty sure Defenders number three was the first one. I never bought that off the stands. Um, but then uh, subsequent to that, I read the Hulk issue, which was, what is it, 120, um, let's see, it's right here, 126, I did read that, uh, because I, as well as an amazing Spider-Man fan, I was a diehard Hulk fan, so I would pick up any Hulk, but again, I did not read 126 off the stance, that was in a, a later, later pickup, because, yeah, that came out in, what, 60... 126 came out in uh it's beautiful that they list everything here for you
2: except these except
1: dicks. except they screwed up the number of uh the hulk issue. I just noticed that cuz it says Doctor Strange 183, Submariner 22, Incredible Hulk 34. See they just
2: No, not mine. Mine says doc- wait, where where are you looking?
1: On the what contents page. Doctor Strange 183, Submariner 22, Hulk 34. That's a, an error. No,
2: mine. Mine says collecting. Uh, Defenders on the best volume on collecting. No, you're on the page. wrong
1: page. Contents page.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, Incredible Hulk number 34. Yes,
1: you are right. That's a mess. That's a mistake. Let's get that out. Don't we not have proofreaders at Marvel? Come Seriously. on. But anyway, that was 1970. I was just five years old. I wasn't reading Hulk in 1970. So I'm guessing maybe two or three years later, I, I stumbled upon it somewhere. But uh, And then once I realized that the Defenders is the preeminent Marvel team, I would buy it all the time, right off the rack. Um, to be honest, this volume is fantastic, but Defenders really kicks in around issues 25 up for me anyway i'm just speaking you know my preference you you get the the uh blue aster cult patty smith angle with the vera gemini storyline it gets really strange i mean it starts off strange uh, but it gets progressively more odd as the series goes on and then when they had the beast and angel not the beast and gargoyle and valkyrie that just Something was lost in the book for me at that point. But that was the beginning of the end anyway. So, What about you, Dad?
2: Um, I've read various... I read a few of the issues contained in this volume here and there over the years. Nothing with... Uh, I wasn't... I didn't buy any of these issues off the stand. I wasn't following the Defenders. I wasn't actively buying the Defenders until much, much later... Um and I was there for a good chunk towards the end when it concluded with one twenty five and um the wacky new defenders with Gargoyle and Moondragon and was it one twenty five? Was it like one twenty one or anyway, uh um, Yeah.
1: I think it was a desperation move on their part. To Just
2: to shake it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, Um so yeah, no, I mean some of the stories as I was reading through some of the issues, um, Reminded me of, of whether I read them in other reprints um, or <laughs> Marvel Saga. It, it there were um, there were things there are things in this ish, in this volume that that weren't new to me. A lot of it was, but um, it was nice seeing things in the more or less proper context than uh, than me picking things up here and there over the years. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I I
0: didn't buy this stuff off the shelves i was uh, a very young buck at the time would have been very illogical to uh (laughs) to have done that but i definitely read some of this over the years in different ways i do remember because as you guys know uh, x-men and avengers were were always my thing i back in the day when you could buy back issues without spending hundreds of dollars (laughs) i i was there was a period of my life when i bought Avengers back issues every way that I could, eBay, store sales, whatever, and just tried to in a vein, its attempt to have a complete run. And um, I remember getting a chunk of early Avengers issues and then seeing that they crossed over to the Defenders, and so then next time I was at the store I tracked down some of those issues. So I have some of these issues in single. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I don't have them all. But uh, yeah, so much like DAP, I mean, some of these stories were st- Kind of had a deja vu effect with me, but not all of it. Um, I certainly definitely def- like the vibe of it felt very um, nostalgic and 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 familiar, but the the actual plot points or some of the villains or the sequencing that 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 was that wasn't something I had as much of a
1: memory of. And it speaks to how many comics we buy just out of habit, because I have. Single issues for everything in this volume. Sure, and yet I bought the omnibus as well. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense why I would, you know, buy, but I did. I mean, that's what we do. I think, um, and there are uh, the book is riddled with text pieces from uh, Roy and Engelhart, but a lot of them were taken from the masterworks and just yeah. poured it over. But uh, the, uh, as Roy said, the defenders. Uh, was a, a Roy Thomas brainchild, mother of invention. He had to write stories for Doctor Strange and, um, the Hulk and Namor, the Submariner. So he's like, well, you know, in typical Marvel Universe fashion, I'm gonna just keep this thread moving across titles. And it's Lovecraft inspired. The, uh, the gist of it is that, um, Doctor Strange gets a, uh, a, a telegram from a friend. And his friend's name, and he hasn't seen him for a while, his friend's name is Kenneth Ward. And that's a tip of the hat to Lovecraft's Charles Dexter Ward, of course, um, that uh, this, this Kenneth Ward is sick, dying, um, not in a good sh- way at all. And uh, long story short, he had an encounter in the Himalayan Valley where he found this, this mysterious idol, and uh, this two-headed thing, um, and it brought it back. And there's an inscription on the bottom of it. And he's, uh, you know, long story short, Strange could transcribe it or at least decipher it. And um, it 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 spins out in, from that into um, we got uh, one, Doctor Strange 183. Then it spins out in uh, Submariner 22, Hulk 34. Hulk 34 is very important. Because um, in this issue, we meet a character called Nightcrawler. Not our good old yeah, 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 Kurt yeah. Nightcrawler. This is uh, a being that... Um, you know, you on-
2: just said Hulk 34. <laughs> so
1: he's, the, he's, he's the, the typo is contagious. You. Yeah. <laughs> um, 126. The, um, the cool thing about the Nightcrawler is he resides in a dimension between the uh undying ones, which is the whole deal with the with the statue. It is a fetish of the nameless one. A being that's trying to beat its way into our dimension. He's got a bunch of acolytes called the undying ones. Um they just want to stream into our dimension and just ravage the place. But the Nightcrawler's dimension resides between the undying one's dimension and our dimension. It's the only way you can get across. And uh, this nightcrawler uh, lives there, and he's not too happy about all these people streaming through his dimension. The important thing about the issue, other than it being super cool and drawn by the awesome Herb Trimpe, the, uh one of the Undying One's acolytes, her name's Barbara. She's a half-hearted acolyte of the Nameless One. She. It was originally intended that Doctor Strange pushes Namor through the dimensional breach, and he's going to stay there and and bide his time and protect Earth from these dimensional invaders. But Barbara, his good old sister Barbara, takes Doctor Strange's place in Nightcrawler's crumbling dimension. The Hulk, and the, the fight that ensued just destroyed the whole dimension. Nightcrawler's pissed. But anyway, so Barbara stays there, so everybody can escape and, and go back to reality. Uh, in, the, in the process, she goes crazy. It, legit insane. And um, then the, obviously the story progresses through uh Sub-Mariner 34, 35, Marvel feature number one, in, uh, in, in a sense, Marvel feature number two. Like there's threads from the story that trail through it. The, the main focus of each issue may not be this uh Undying Ones, uh, Nameless One, long, drawn-out story, but it's there, right? That was the reason why all of these characters got together in the first place, because Doctor Strange needed some help, and Namor's pretty damn powerful, and uh, why not? Let's get the Hulk. The Hulk is a powerhouse. It'd be awesome to have that kind of clout on our little makeshift team, so we'll do this together. It was all Roy pulling the strings, right? He thought it'd be cool... If there was another super team in the marvel universe it would make money and so marvel premiere or marvel feature number one with the defenders was born and the team was a uh a hit but uh roy originally envisioned it to include the silver surfer and stan was very very stingy with the surfer didn't want anybody to write him other than himself but he allowed roy his his dalliance with the character and then Th- it, it, once you read these issues straight through you 'll see the surfer has a annoying tendency for drama right he'll he'll trust dr Strange uh to a point where uh in one issue the dr Strange hints that well maybe we can get you back to Zen law so you could see your beloved Shalabal uh you know the uh, the uh galactus's um Curse only exists in our dimension. What if we travel through dimensions to get you to uh Zen La? And the surfer's all about it. And then Doctor Strange kind of lets them down because um they don't get there. And so the surfer's like, I'm done with you humans. You've let me down too many times. I'm out of here. And it, it happens many, many times over the course of this issue. The surfer will disavow humanity in one issue and then oh i came back you know i was kind of lonely i wanted to see what you guys are up to hi and it's probably due to stan being very um reluctant to allow anyone else to write the surfer like in here he lets steve engelhardt do it and i think steve did a good job but the surfer's flighty in uh, pun intended in in the, these issues he he comes and goes like the breeze and i think had the Surfer been a mainstay of the Defenders, I think. Well, the the the, the uh, series lasted for more than a decade, right? Um, I think the book would have, in its well, not in not current Marvel, but until Marvel started renumbering stuff, I think the book would have had, would have had a lot more gas in it because who doesn't love to see the Surfer in a regular series, right?
0: Definitely. I mean, the thing about the Defenders, which is kind of cool, is that they were positioned this way, like you said, almost out of convenience as a non-team. But if you think back on it, it makes sense, because these were all characters that, uh, well, outside of Surfer, but these were characters that had their own books for a long time, but the books weren't particularly great sellers back then uh, on a relative basis. If we saw the numbers, I'm sure we'd think they were gangbusters, but, but just relative to other things on the stands, they weren't great sellers. And so... More bang for your buck, right? Like putting all these guys together would theoretically be something that would appeal to, to readers more. I, so I, I love I love the idea for sure. Um, by the way, not to derail you, but one of the things I think rereading this this week was so much fun are just the. The randomness of things like like you said like like the random decisions they make because they were kind of like winging it you know they weren't they didn't have they didn't have two-year planning meetings where they had stuff whiteboarded and it was like oh we got to write a a defender's book this week all right let's uh let's have them do this this and this and that that can if you're in the right mindset which i think i hope it sounds like you guys were too but i was definitely the right mindset to read this going in i found it quite quaint and, and entertaining and laugh out loud at points oh yeah and then like other things are some of the sight gags like as you're talking about surfer there and how flighty he is there there's an issue and i don't even remember it was probably it was during the avengers thing which we'll talk about but uh, it was one of the the many times where the the heroes all get called together and in this particular issue surfer was just hanging out on a on a on a meteor like a rock just like 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 it was a Barca lounger just like chilling on it, and his board was like drawn in the corner, like kind of like a like a loyal pet, just just sitting by the side of the meteor as they zoom through space. And I thought that's hilarious. Like like why would the surfer just
1: like plop down on a meteor like its a couch?
0: Like like, right. just, like it's silly. Like, it's hysterical.
1: Yeah, there there. I made a list actually. I, I was pretending oh. to be you. I made a oh. list of the mm-hmm. ridiculous. No, the ridiculous oh. things that made me laugh out loud in, okay, in cool. this series, and I'll give you one. The Hulk wearing Doctor Strange's cloak of levitation is ridiculous. <laughs> it's it, and he's he's got the the curly um, collar coming around his head and he's flying and Doctor Strange is holding on to him uh, like riding bitch behind the Hulk
3: and it's like
1: <laughs> that you can't pay for that that is just absolute solid gold but when you think about it it's kind of ridiculous, right? It It's just, it's just silly. The stranger's like, Hulk, you can't jump to where we're going. You must wear the cloak of levitation. And Hulk's like, okay, this is pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so silly. But, um, so as, as we said, the, the nameless one is the, uh, the generating factor that, that made the whole Defenders, uh, series possible. Uh, for me, I always, uh, preferred, The defenders over any other marvel team and the reason why i say uh you're probably saying well what about the fantastic four fantastic four is not a team it's a family um the reason why is because the defenders was always grounded in the occult and magic and the the most ridiculous bizarre uh villains um it it pro- popped up in Avengers from time to time, but Avengers was more um, mainstream friendly. Where Defenders was like the dark recesses of the Marvel universe, where uh, those who fear to you know fear the dark and Strange was the, the, more often than not he takes his breaks too. Uh, there he'll be out of the series for two three issues and then he comes back and um, but for the most part. It was the uh, the magic and the occult that grounded defenders that always drew me in. And I know, I know, you know, if you're looking for standard superhero fare, where you know uh, it's the usual, oh, here come the Cree, and, and, and they're gonna fight the Skrulls in this giant, uh, cosmos-spanning war. Like that's that's perfect for the Avengers. That would have been so out of place within the the pages of the defenders it just doesn't fit the uh the the magic mold that was established early on in this series the uh it i i,
2: I don't think I ever realized how um bipolar hulk could be way back in the day cuz every uh, he obviously he doesn't cotton anybody, talking down to him or or telling him what to do, and and neither can Namor. But if at least one issue Hulk is not friends or friends or I don't want a team or I hate these people. Well, this person, Birdman, was nice to me, so I'm going to stick around. Okay, well now now. Fishman was nice to me, so I'm going to stick around. And it, I, there are there are moments as I'm as I was reading the early issues where I did have to chuckle. Like now, the the scrutinizing over over these stories and and it did, if these were told today, how every little thing would be um, just put under a microscope and 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 try to tether um everybody's thoughts and actions so that it would be it would be coherent so that there would be actually just like that could be one person's actions or behaviors but but there are there are times early on in this volume where uh people are tad wishy-washy you know nobody it's really black and white however you would however a character feels today that's not how they're going to be in the next issue
1: right i always chalk that up um once you know how the sausage is made you chalk that up to many hands in the kitchen Mm -hmm. writing the character but uh in terms of this like
2: roy is looking is, is overseeing everything yeah um and and for the most part i mean it's it's not um yeah it's yeah no i don't i I don't disagree with you yet because we i mean even today we we would read something and say you know that 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 person doesn't have a good handle on on that particular character because he's not written the way he's been written for the past 30 years it's i absolutely yeah support that theory
1: but roy was doing so much back then too i mean how much did he really oversee How, how could he possibly he was writing a ton of books he was um uh, then he he was sliding into the the role of you know uh in stan's role actually and uh i'm sure that the guy had a mountain of work if if the the hulk sounded off i don't would you hold up production on an issue because the hulk was kind of sort of wishy-washy you know what i mean um but the the way i looked at it was that it was kind of banner's influence on uh, subconscious influence on the Hulk, right? That 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 psyche's still in there somewhere, right? Um, and the more level-headed aspects of his mood swings, I guess you could chalk it up to Banner having some kind of uh, residual influence on the Hulk, right? Because they still yeah. occupy the same body,
2: right? Yeah, and and it's and and we're a creator, like. Al Ewing going it, it, taking all everything that the Hulk's done, um, and try to make sense out of it, or or, um, or Peter David taking what you know Mantlo wrote about. Yeah, ad you know it, it's it, it, it all works. Plus, we're we're reading this, we're binging this one one issue after another. The, these issues came out bimonthly. monthly, so and and depending on the age of someone reading it, that's not that that's not necessarily something that they're going to focus on. That's not, they don't, they're they're not really caring if the Hulk is wishy-washy. They just want, you know, these, these three off kilter characters teaming up to fight something on bald mountain. And, and it's that, and, and and you get that, you absolutely get that. It's, um, there are moments where I was thinking about it today. Um, the way the characters are written and the way the stories come together especially in the uh Avengers crossover issues there are moments where if this was if these stories happened in um 70s or 80s yeah 70s DC in um in an issue of Justice League of America or um Captain Comet or anything any, any wonky, the way the characters sound and and behave, and the way the stories play out, they would make sense to in my mind. They're kind of written the way '70s DC books came across with with, with just everybody faces something the team comes together faces something and then at the end either shrug walk off or all laugh on the last panel and that's that's kind of the way and it it was weird for me to see marvel characters marvel setting play out that way it just it, i never really like any other any other 70s marvel book whether it was avengers or fantastic four or the incredible hulk or any any other issue here or there i might have picked up over the years um had a a distinct marvel feel it 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 just whatever it is whether it's the look whether it's the lingo whether it's uh the more present day in in air quotes realistic type of story marvel stories had had a feel I, i knew when i was reading a marvel story reading these defenders issues they don't aside from knowing that you know Doctor Strange and the Incredible Hulk or Marvel characters, there really isn't a whole lot here that kind of um, uh, the footnotes yet. Yeah, but there isn't a lot in the story that makes me that that gives it that that Marvel feel uh, to me. But I was again, I wasn't buying these issues off the rack in the early seventies. So um,
1: this is my older brain reading
2: these and 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 thinking that.
1: And I think we have to give um, uh, notice, I guess, to the Marvel um, misunderstanding. It's a trademark at this point, where you'll have two heroes, for whatever reason, come to blows, and then they, you know, either find out one's being mind controlled, or they were told something that wasn't true, or they misinterpreted oh. the situation, where you get two heroes fight and then they oh you know what are we doing we shouldn't be doing this like that's a marvel staple we've seen we've seen that forever and i and
2: i'm so aggravated that of all the characters and granted you know they they tried to play it off where it's like you know well the way the surfer acts and the hulk acts i can understand why you know you would jump to that conclusion but when you have loki trying to explain to you these are bad people. You must attack them. Yeah, the dude got you folks together as Avengers by tricking. It, it's like, how do you not? Why do you keep going back to that
1: well? Yeah. Who would believe Loki? <laughs> like you would think that. Avengers again. Right. You think Thor would say this guy don't believe a yeah. damn thing out of his mouth? Right. <laughs> He's family. He's a trickster.
2: Well,
0: yeah. I mean, but he is the trickster god, right? So the god of lies. So I, I mean. Clearly, he's got a, a D.D. level-like ability to make people believe him in spite of... Yeah, I, the I
1: get that. But if somebody borrows five bucks from you every week with the intent to pay you back next week, and you keep <laughs> giving them the five bucks, dude, that's on you. Yeah. Right?
0: right. I will say while the conceit of of heroes or teams of heroes battling and then... And then making good is definitely a Marvel thing. I mean, to me, I've always thought of the Defenders as the pinnacle of that. I mean, like the because they're reluctant, te- they were a reluctant non-team. They always seem to piss each other off and annoy each other. And you even saw that in in future iterations of it as 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 oh, something yeah. that the creators. I mean, when when Larson did his run, uh, you know, they fought all the time, and it was like embedded in because I think he read these original issues, and, and we all remember them as, as, as being the Bickersons. They, they they got on each other's last nerve because they were all so different. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, for the purposes of the Defenders stories, it makes sense. I mean, one might argue that as these characters have evolved over time, it might not seem as logical because Namor is a hothead, so yeah, you could make that case. But, but Surfer and Steven are pretty fucking chill like they're like super logical like planners so i don't know that, yeah. that as they've evolved i don't know that they, that would ring as true now but but back then i mean as you noted surfer was a brand new character so I, it, it's not like um you know it's not like there was there was much history that someone could say no that's not what the surfer would do i mean surfer would do whatever the help the writer wanted him
1: to do at that point and it, i get chuckles every time uh one of them will say yeah we're not a team This this is not an organized team, (laughs) and and I always think of the Thor gift, uh, the gift um, where
3: is it it (laughs) though?
1: Because you guys meet on the regular. Uh, The first time you need help, you call each other. Uh, I think you're a team. I think you just you know. No matter how many
2: times Namor's gonna say, "Don't call me again." Yeah, coming back to your aid.
1: Yeah, like uh, there's a lot of drama in these issues, and and you got these powerhouses like Namor namor can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the marvel universe the same with the hulk and then they're so emotional <laughs> like oh what okay um and and the uh, award um for uh worst performance definitely goes to bill everett
3: <laughs>
1: for his uh his shoddy um uh malicious inking chores on Marvel feature number one, and here's the story. Um, Ross Andrew was a very indecisive penciler. He would um, deliberate and 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 lay down a line or, or a part of a body, and then mm, think it wasn't quite right, and then he would lay down another arm, but he wouldn't erase the original arm, or he would he would go in deep on facial features and decide maybe they weren't quite right and then he would do other things but leave the traces of his first attempt so when bill Everett got the 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 pages he was like the hell is this there's shit all over the place and just to be spiteful and malicious he inked every line that ross andrew laid down and it's not a good showing it's really not um uh, you could t- in, in 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 Doctor Strange's astral form he didn't even finesse the line at all like he just quickly you know threw it down on the page and from what roy says in the introduction stan was not happy and um for whatever reason everett got another chance to ink um Ross Andrew later on and did a better job um a far better job than he did on the uh the first attempt uh it was uh defenders three where he inks him and it's 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 fair like Everett was a great inker not only was he a consummate uh designer and penciler he was a very good inker and um i look at defenders three and i think wow what could the uh what could the first attempt have have looked like if he just you know pulled up his belt and said well i got some work to do here i am an inker and that's my job so at least in this instance so i'm going to i'm going to do my due diligence but he didn't he just was was very uh, very spiteful and, and hacked it out yeah. to the to I, the, I, the detriment of the issue i mean it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't even look good
0: no it doesn't yeah the 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 being what it is i agree but also i for me the were really stuck out was the hulk yeah i mean it, there's just the hulk's got Wrinkles and scar... What, I mean, on they, what, page
2: one twenty-seven. Yeah, and
0: and and, and, oh. and like like giant indentations in his feet, and 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 it, it, the whole thing's I mean, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah,
1: I like the looseness of it, but I don't think it does credit to the the magnificence of the pencils of of Ross Andrew, such as they were. Like m- the guy, maybe had had uh, self confidence issues, whatever. But I mean, you don't screw with Ross Andrew's pencils whether you have to put a little bit extra effort into it or not. You know, like I said, greatest penciler to ever touch Amazing Spider-Man, but whatever. Um, but the whole gist of the, uh, the issue, while we're talking about it is, Marvel uh, feature number one, is that you have uh, an old enemy of Doctor Strange, Yandroth, and he's on his deathbed. And uh, he kind of bamboozles Strange into facing uh, the Omegatron, which is a... Uh, a recurring, recurring villain throughout this. Right, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm even mentioning it. Uh, the Omegatron was built in a, in a faux lighthouse. <laughs> and uh, it's very important, Doctor Strange, to beat this Omegatron, because the Omegatron has the, uh, the potential to destroy the entire world. Should its countdown clock reach zero... Well, then all bets are off and uh, humanity is forfeit. So what Doctor Strange does is he uses a time-based spell on it to grind time to a halt where, uh, I don't know specifically what it's stated, but like, each second is like a year in real time, or whatever. So this thing is moving at an impossibly slow crawl, and Doctor Strange is confident that you know this will this will hold until we can find out how to properly deal with this. We have hundreds of years by the you know way I put the spell on this thing, but uh, as Jason said, such is not the case because uh, it's a, it is a recurring theme, and it's kind of cool that you see the uh, Omegatron countdown clock. You never actually see the Omegatron. It was neat the way they did it. It was a tease. They would show the countdown clock of the Omegatron progressing. Maybe two or three panels in an issue, and that was it, right? Which is kind of a neat way to do it because it keeps it in the back of your mind. Like, yeah, that Omegatron thing, that's going to be a problem, but not right now because we've got to deal with the, the Undying Ones and the, and the Nameless One. They're both Ones. So um let's get into the defender series proper. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um in the very first issue, Namor is thrown to earth. Just boom. And he's he's freaking out of it like he is comatose and he's got a um a uh, like a, a a force spell around him and Hulk can't get at him. So what does Hulk do? Who does Hulk go to if he needs help? Well, dr strange he could take care of this magic man right um the whole deal is uh evil sorcerer Necrodamus wants to use namor uh with the intent to sacrifice him to the nameless one but again it's a time sensitive endeavor the the stars have to be perfectly aligned for the thing to work and uh This is the the, the point where the Omegatron comes into it. In order to stop Necrodomus, Strains uses a spell, again, that is time-based on Necrodamus, and that undoes what he did to the Omegatron. So the clock starts ticking on the Omegatron. In Defenders number 1, and that's, again, that's a subplot that trails through a bunch of issues. So um, they foul... Necrodamus's ploy to get the the nameless one into our dimension and and Strange is like, "Well, you know, this whole thing started with that freaking idol. Why don't we go to the source? Because Kenneth Ward found it in the Himalayas. Why don't we go find that place and see what's up?" Right? We'll, we'll go right to the, the the fount. And um so they're searching the Himalayan valley for the undying ones. And this is again on my list. Silver Surfer has been hanging out there, and he becomes a surrogate daddy to a pack of Yeti. <laughs> it's it's so stupid. Like the and of and of course, you know fights brew because the Hulk sees all these Monkey Man and he starts you know being the Hulk, um, and the Surfer's like, whoa, 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 these are my these are my buddies. I, I, I've been hanging out here you know teaching them you know surfers altruistic if nothing and he's i'm teaching them we're chilling i'm I'm showing them fire they didn't even know what fire was these guys it's crazy turns out that the yetis were actually the warrior wizards of the sorcerer kalizuma in disguise they were pretending to be yetis they were under a spell and the you know a, a, a glamour well not so glamorous but it, it's a glamour and um so Kalizuma used the surfer's altruistic tendencies against him and he mind controlled him um to attack Namor and that's how Namor plummeted to earth in issue 1. It was actually the surfer that did it. Um and that leads into issue number 3, which has an okay cover. You know, it's alright. Who did the cover, David? Of issue 3? No, they're going to be okay. <laughs> it's a great cover. Oh, I love it. Um Three is a, a pretty crucial issue to the whole initial, like, let's just say 11 issues. Um, this is where Doctor Strange offers the surfer a clever alternative to his Earthbound dilemma. Um, as we all know, the surfer desperately wants to return to Zen Law and hold his beloved Shalabal again. And Doc purports that, you know, dimensional travel may be the answer. Oops <laughs> they're sucked into the nameless one's realm. And lo and behold, there's old Alcalite Alkali- um or acolyte Barbara still in the prison. Um there's a really cool uh sequence where uh another dimensional vortex opens up and the Hulk literally blocks the dimensional vortex so his buddies doesn't don't get sucked into it. Like it's a great scene and it, uh, it's one of those moments where you're just like yeah hulk like you did the right thing right um and and all of his friends are slamming against him and the 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 pressure must have been immense but the uh, the thing that was unaffected by the vortex was the silver surfer's board so namor tries to get the board and he's grasping at it he's trying to reaching out he's trying to get it and and he grabs it but they all slam against the hulk again And they they use the the board to um, skirt the dimensional vortex. But but the problem is um, Barbara. See, Barbara got a little comfortable in in the Nameless One's dimension and actually became his bride. So I don't want to think about the implications of that, but the, the physical implications of it is now the Nameless One who had two heads, prior to this now has three two, cre- two creature heads and one batshit crazy beautiful blonde head on top and it looks so damn bizarre that's the that right there is one of the reasons why I love defenders because that that's just ridiculous and and if you think about how the nameless one is connected they they rarely show them from the back because just the way the two torsos connect is odd. It, it doesn't connect to the shoulders. It connects somewhere along the bottom of the spine. But it's weird when you think about it, right? Like, how does he walk? How does it must be incredibly painful for this thing to even exist? And why have two sets of wings when one of them obviously doesn't work? Yeah. How how could it flap because the larger set of wings would would prevent the motion? So it it but it, you don't think of those things when when. You're a kid. All I'm like is gosh, God, wow! That thing is really cool, and it's got a cute head. That's not lined up with the other heads. It's like Barbara's head is just floating above it. It is the strangest thing, but it's super cool. And I got to give it up to Engelhart for coming up with it because now the book is his. the The defenders have been removed from Roy Thomas's control, and now Engelhart mm. is plotting the series. So this yeah. is I, I can only imagine like him thinking. Yeah, that nameless one was kind of cool with the two heads and all, but um, I'm gonna give him three heads. Like
3: that's—it's <laughs> just bizarre.
0: You—you you, uh, in in your synopsis, you passed over one of the things that made me laugh out loud, which was after they after the whole copens holds up in the portal, and then they use the board to escape and everything. Um, Namor's like, oh, I, I'm I'm so I'm so I'm so. <laughs> You know, worn out, I need some water, and, and Strange, you know, basically just like shoots water out of his hand and like, rehydrates him. But then Strange is like, it's a small enough gesture of gratitude for your struggle. And then, like, the Hulk is in the corner looking all salty, being like, him? What of Hulk? No one thanks Hulk. No one gives Hulk like, water. He's just straight Lowry's because he's not getting any appreciation. I love
1: it. And I think the placement of the Hulk is perfect. In the lower corner like that, like, just like, yeah. what the fuck? What, what, what is this? Yeah, that's a great panel. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a, it's a good one. So um, the whole deal was to, to weaken the defenders, right? That's what the dimensional vortex was there for. Um, they want to soften them up for the arrival of Barbara and her sugar daddy, right? Uh, but the fight ends with a nameless one snared in Barbara's old prison. That's kind of a cool twist. Um, Strange saves Barbara, but her mind is has cracked. She's she's loopy. Um and things go awry again because they do not leave the Nameless One's Dimension thinking that they were going to go to um Zen La, uh uh-uh. uh. They return to Earth. And it's not a present day earth. Right. And this is where the surfer gets all grief stricken and he flies away, vowing never to trust man again with the drama. Um and and it leads to, to number four, um turning point, I think, in in what was established, right? They land in Britain. Um uh a, a castle that may be familiar to uh Marvel readers, uh the the defenders, the team that's not a team are beset by the minions of Queen Cassiolena. And she's got protectors because she's the queen, you know. Uh, She's got a wizard, Fragon. And strange, never could have predicted this, uh, but I should have because of the uh, other characters that are involved, the executioners there. Right? And this issue is uh, notable because uh, Namor suddenly gains an earring yeah. Over the course of, <laughs> I, I, I guess when when they crossed over dimensions, he just it just happened, right? Um, so they're overpowered uh, and they're thrown into cells. And, and who are they sharing the dungeon with? But Dane Whitman, the Black Knight, my dog, and the Enchantress, right? Uh, so the Enchantress takes a look at Barbara, who's nutty in a corner, and she's like, hmm. I can use this person to get us out of here. So she takes a part of herself. The Enchantress uses a a, a shred of her identity and adds it to the mental morass that is Barbara and transforms her into the Valkyrie. So if you read the backstory of the creation of Valkyrie, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, I get confused after a while. Because, obviously, the Valkyrie didn't start off as this Barbara character. She has backstory in the Marvel Universe, right? Um, and But she was a fledgling character to begin with. So now, after being, quote, born again with a shred of the Enchantress's identity, the Valkyrie doesn't even know who she is. Like... She has no sense of self-identity. She has no um, experience in the world, and that's that's a, a a subplot that just it doesn't go away in, in the defenders. It's uh, there's Val, Val's always struggling with who she is, why she's here, what is she supposed to do, um, what's her purpose in life, right? And I think that's kind of neat. Um, but Val also gets some of that suffragette spirit from enchantress <laughs> because if anybody uh I think enchantress is the number 1 uh poster gal for women's liberation in the 70s for marvel easy right um so the barbara or, or the enchantress transforms barbara into the valkyrie um everybody fights cassiolena is felled by the enchantress Who makes up with the executioner. See, she was, the enchantress was cozying up to Dane while they were in the cell. She's sucking face with him. And then as soon as she's free, oh, it's my, my, my squeeze, the enchant, the, the executioner, the only man for me. And, and Black Knight's like, what the hell? I thought we had something. And she's like, oh, you, you sweet, sweet man. And she kisses him and turns him to stone. Bitch. Um, and they just, the Enchantress and the Executioner just leave. They go into, uh, there's there's their path is plotted in other books. Um, so Val invites herself to the Defender's Party, right? What else is she going to do? She doesn't know. She's a, almost a blank slate, right? Um, and the countdown clock on the Omegatron is continuing to, to click away, click away. You guys want to add I anything to this while I'm...
0: I love this issue. I mean, uh, like, I love the issue visually. Um, I think it looked great, uh, like in a in another world. I would love to own art from this issue in particular. Um, and I thought that, uh, yeah, I mean, they 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 basically make my man Dane Whitman a cuckold, which is yeah, a shame. It's hard, it's hard hard for a boy out there. Um, and like you said, it's it's a super bizarre way to introduce the Valkyrie to the series, and then, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, she ends up being a core member for pretty much the whole thing, I mean, yeah. give or take. And and then, but but over the course of The Defenders, well past where we're going to talk about tonight, she, uh, Barbara does, uh, I guess, spoiler for a 40-year-old comic, Barbara uh, dies, and so Prunhild, the spirit that in, that is imbued Valkyrie onto Barbara, then escapes and finds her original body. Um, so, you know, and then it becomes the Valkyrie that, we then see for most of the rest of her time in Marvel Comics, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I thought this was great. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Marvel, the UK stuff, even though this isn't that. It, it's evocative of that setting, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 most hilarious thing for me though about it is 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 the fucking wizard, who oh, like yeah. you, you have all these. Wonderfully designed, wildly creative characters w- w- whose whose <laughs> costumes look like nothing you've ever really seen in 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 any kind of 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 prior works. They're all very distinctive, and I'm sure much much if not all of it is owed to Kirby. And, and then you got this fucking wizard
3: who who I mean, looks like a
0: goddamn yeah, goddamn Courtchester with the goddamn robes and the yeah. kind of pointy hat, and it's like it, it looks a lot like Merlin. Hysterical. Yeah, yeah, it looks just like Merlin, yeah. um, but like Merlin from like a children's book or something. Right, um, right. You know, which is ridiculous, and uh, and the other thing about this issue, why I say it really stopped to me is, not only do I love the line, but but the, the sound effects are on point in this issue. Like I well, don't know if you noticed, but they're just they're just hella present, crack and choom and craz and brack and clang and, and yeah. just, I think they're really they're really front and center here.
1: I'm uh, glad you brought the art up because mm-hmm. um, while it's still Sal Buscema on pencils, Frank McLaughlin inked him. Yes. As as if he was inking his brother. Because there are panels in here that look like John drew them mm-hmm. And I think that's that was Frank's influence. Um especially when you look at the Enchantress, that's straight uh John Basima. Yeah. And I thought it was I thought it was it was interesting that uh maybe uh Frank's work on John's stuff there was kind of a residual effect working on his brother.
2: There are there are a few pages in in this book that uh that 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 Sal looks like he's uh channeling his brother,
1: but it may not have been Sal. Is what I'm trying to say. It may have been Frank inking, like Sal. No, may I
2: mean, I mean um, but there are issues like later on with Esposito inking him and. Oh, uh,
3: okay,
1: but
2: um, but no, you know the 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 uh, the artness issues. Is great, Valkyrie is trying to um reverse the spell and she's like well then i you know if kissing him turn into stone then i'll kiss him and show yeah. that shit uh, but it, i would definitely um,
1: trade places with uh, good old dane because uh be it as it may uh val's my template that is that is my perfect woman i record.
2: never you know it, it, i don't um until now i never really kind of realized she's the Hawkman of, of the marvel universe
1: yeah, she's all over the place uh origin-wise, yeah. And it's a continuing origin like Hawkman, they 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 tweak it right. over the years and and undo a lot of the stuff that came before. Um but uh, issue 5 is uh again Sal and Frank, but um it's the showdown with the OmegaTron. And uh Dr. Strange sits it out, which is kind of weird considering the origin of the OmegaTron <laughs> is Yandroth. <laughs> Who has ties to Strange? And Strange is like, ah, yeah, I'm mean, just going to sit this one out. The splash page that opens it is great. It is great. <laughs> yeah. <Just> Val-
2: <laughs> rolling down the street.
1: Old men, um, young men, middle aged men, they all got eyes for Val. And I can't blame them.
0: I, I also find it i probably a sign of the times. The, the ne'er do well henchmen that attack her for being friends with Strange are essentially green kkk members oh and yeah. Were, yeah and it and it's uh, it has to be because of the time i guess <laughs> in the in the early 70s the kkk was in one of the visual embodiments of of hatred and hate groups so i mean it makes sense but it's like yeah man, that, that that's a <laughs> i mean yeah just because like there's nothing particularly occultish about them no uh, other than that we we find out you know what I mean? Like it's just like visually I didn't, if when you first see them, I don't know that you're thinking, Oh, those are those are occult minions, you know.
1: Right. You you are totally correct. But um I forgot to mention that uh Namorita shows up. Which is nice. I always like seeing that character. Namor's cousin, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and the team um inches closer to accepting Val in this issue because uh i think they, they didn't know how to take her in the previous issue she's uh, uh essentially a newborn and now they're like ah oh, you know you're okay you know you stepped up i think this is going to work even though we're not a team uh should we be a team i think we'd have room for you but um issue six the surfer returns yay i
2: just there's no i'm 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 this is, I mean, obviously it's a sign of the times because, you know, everybody's a sweetheart or, or, or a chick or whatever, but I mean, Dr. Strange, who, you know, Donaty, Dr. Strange that I've known in the past 20 years, but he, you know, he just refers to, to Val as girl. You seem displeased to see me, girl. That's yeah. Right. I, I, <laughs> yeah, that's I, just purely a sign of the times. I yes, think. absolutely. Yeah. You're S- saying, number six. I
1: don't know, Surfer's pretty shocked. Um... Because when he arrives in uh, Manhattan, there's a whole city block that is surrounded, Literally block. huh? Literally a block. Yeah, surrounded by this cube of of rainbow, strange energy, and and it just so happens that the cube is surrounding the block on which uh, Doctor Strange's sanctum sanctorum uh, is located. Uh, but the surfer being the surfer, he pierces the barrier just in time, uh, to find the sanctum, uh, under attack by one Cyrus Black, self professed devil incarnate. And, um, it's a, it's a, another one of those dangling subplots from a previous issue. Um, Cyrus Black is easily beaten. Uh, when Val was walking through the streets of New York in issue five, Cyrus's henchman, we're uh we're we're peeping and um he's easily beaten uh he escapes and uh, again this is a hallmark of the defenders a book where anything can happen he trips balls on jamaican incense he's he's in his little ramshackle room and he lights this jamaican incense oh this calming effect of the incense and he starts to trip he starts to, to, his brain, his mind goes elsewhere and he thinks his rat Nebuchadnezzar is a giant. Um, but then he's like, wow, I, I can use this dream projected reality to, to get my revenge on Doctor Strange. It doesn't work, of course. Um, and in this issue, um, the editing team, uh, which here would have been Roy, was asleep at the wheel. Because Dr. Strange refers to the surfer's planet as Xeon Law.
3: Mm.
1: Yes. Yeah, that it's, it's, a, it's a big gaffe. Like, I don't know how they, they let that go through, but yeah, he calls it Xeon Law. Good job, Strange. You don't even know your buddy. Well, they're not a team. Well, that could be the uh, answer, but I doubt it. I think it was just lazy editing. Uh, on well, he was probably too busy. Roy was a giant in the seventies. He was doing everything right. Stan okay, handed, was busy. Yeah, Stan handed the reins off to to Roy, and you know, Roy, being the diligent uh, worker that he is, just ran with it. Um, but unfortunately, that uh, escaped the Roy Thomas net. Right, issue seven. Strange sits out another adventure. What the hell's going on with Doctor Strange? Um but the events of of Defender 7 kind of spiral out of Incredible Hulk 166 where uh, Hulk fought Zax and uh Hawkeye was around you know participating um and it, when this issue opens the Hulk is like beating Clint around like a rag doll just Seven is my shit just I, throwing.
0: I, I, this issue is my shit i i think there's so much hilariousness in this and uh it's also worth noting that Len Wein writes most of the issue. Yeah, good old Len. But like, okay, like it starts with the very first page, like you said, Hulk beating the fuck out of the Hawkeye. So you got Hulk, who's arguably as powerful as any creature on the planet, yeah. hitting a regular... <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like, dude is like, that's the beauty of Hawkeye, right? Like, he's, he's just a regular dude, but yet somehow <laughs> he's never beholden to the laws of physics when it comes to these fights. Um, and then... The other thing is, like, what was he doing? He was following the Hulk around, and it's like, it's like Hulk is just strolling the streets of Manhattan. Dude's, like stopping for a latte. He's like going to a uh, book off. I mean, what, would... like, like, since when does the Hulk just skulk around the city on a stroll that one would then prompt you to 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 uh to follow him around, you know, um, which is hysterical. And it's like Hawkeye's following him around because he overheard him. Yeah. Uh, f- talking about and and it's like you didn't think to then like approach the Hulk and be like oh homie what's uh, going on with this or like you're just like this no I'm going to
2: play out like, yeah you're gonna I'm
0: going to follow what happens oh god yeah it's it's hysterical I I and and they they in the pantheon of Marvel characters who have been portrayed in different ways uh, the Hawkeyes up there uh, he has been portrayed as everything from um. Villainous to reluctant hero to uh, stand in perfect team leader when 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 a writer had him at the helm instead of of, of a cap or something to uh, to vacuous playboy. To, you know, he he has been everything in, in, in his history. I, he's been essentially whatever vessel character plot contrivance that writer
1: of Avengers needed in the moment. Um they, but he's also he's just, a jilted lover too. He he had a thing with uh Black Widow, didn't work out. He had a thing with um Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch right, and then the vision stepped in and, and, and cock blocked him. And then the I had a laugh when he's uh they're all like, Yeah, we're the defenders and uh we we got something to do. And Clint's like, Oh, Val's pretty cute. I'll stick around. Like you yeah, don't learn, you don't learn. What's up with There's you? another example too
0: of the sexism because he's explaining where he's been when he's up to, like you said, and he's like, "I was putting the moves on the Scarlet Witch, but she threw me over for the Vision, so I split." And then the next page, like you said, it's like, after that, I was pretty strung out, so I went back to my first lady, the Black Widow. But
1: yeah, Daredevil got in the way.
3: Yeah, and then <laughs>
0: they show Daredevil the punching the fuck out of him, and then they show him jilted again because they get invited to be Avengers, and, and even though he was invited too, he's all salty about it. Like it's just great. I mean, I, I like they make him out to be like just a just a a a, a, a loser. Like it's just like nothing can go right for the dude. Yeah, and then like you said in the same page, we Here's get yet, We get yet another explanation that they are not a team.
1: No, of course not.
0: <laughs> not Avengers <laughs> is not an alliance.
1: No leader, no rules, no charter such as your Avengers. Yep. But uh, knock on the door. Oops, it's an Atlantean, and he tells Namor that you're. Uh, your old foe, Atuma, uh, still has plans to attack the, the surface world. And Giant Crabs, Battle of Plenty, Namor in shackles, and the Red Ghost pops up uh, in League with Atuma. Looking mad fly. Yeah. But, uh, not only <laughs> does the
0: Red Ghost watching pop up. And- but how, how did this not become canon? The Red Ghost abandons his super apes in favor of porpoises, right? Holy shit! I need someone the like <laughs> or somebody to fraction. I need them to tell me a miniseries where where Red
1: Ghost has got super porpoises. I've I got need Fred Van Lenthe written all over it. Oh, I need it. But the deal with the porpoises is the Red Ghost wants to use cosmic rays to uh, catapult the already. Uh, formidable intelligences of the porpoises and transform them into a super army, with which he can he can you know rule the world. Okay, um, but uh, in typical Marvel fashion, the Red Ghost controls Namor's mind and points him at Val and Hawkeye, and <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the story continues into issue eight when Strange returns, um, and rounds up the Silver Surfer. And the Hulk, and um he coaxes the Hulk to tell him where everybody went to um the red ghost's cosmic ray based experiments have caused val's um bifurcated psyche uh she's not having a good time of it right they they're, her both uh presences are at war with each other um, Doctor. Strange and the Silver Surfer create a barrier. Around the Earth to bounce the cosmic rays, which totally shits up Red Ghost's day. Um, Then Val and Hawkeye and Namor are freed of their mind control, and Atuma and the Red Ghost are brought down. Of course, but this issue uh, has a uh, an epilogue that leads into the Avengers Defenders War because Loki teams up with Dormammu. Uh, The
2: blind Loki. Yes. But,
0: but by the way, the, the fight where Hawkeye dispatches with the Red Ghost, they're deep under sea. And the way he dispatches them is swinging his his bow like a bat and knocking him 100 feet. It, it worked. Like, but the physics of being brought <laughs> out for that. We, we
1: don't think about that kind of stuff.
0: No, it's just great. Because yeah. as a kid, you're like, that's the shit. He's whooped his ass. You're not thinking about the fact that, like, wait a minute. How would you swing a bow and arrow underwater? The water the, the kind of force. What? Yeah,
1: the force necessary to do that—not only to swing a bow underwater, but to have it connect with any kind of force to throw a man. I don't want to think about it. It just worked, right? And you also got to give them props for
0: bringing Dane's statue back back to the sanctum sanctorum. Oh yeah, they just could like have just left him.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Hell of a conversation piece,
1: right? They put their coats on it. Well, Doc puts his cloak on it when he's not right. wearing it. Um, but the 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 deal with Loki and Dormammu is Dormammu Sitting on
0: a rock, by the way, in space,
1: just oh, chilling. Just chilling on the what they do, he can't leave his dimension because he made a pact with Doctor Strange um, as a a, a a war crime. You know what I mean? You've done this so many times. You got to. Uh, Tell me that you're never going to leave your dimension. Your word is Bond, whatever. But uh, Dormammu thinks, hmm, if I can't leave my dimension, why don't I bring my dimension to them? And he plans to extend his dimension to envelop Earth. And um, this leads into the Avengers Defenders War, where uh, Strange is still trying to, fi- to free Dane Whitman from his stony prison. But um, the Dormammu bamboozles Doctor Strange into thinking that the thing he needs to free dane whitman is the evil eye when it's the evil eye that Dormammu needs to extend his dimension sneaky very sneaky um and it all explodes the story literally literally explodes into avengers 116 defenders 9 avengers 117 defenders 10 avengers 118 and it all comes to a rousing conclusion Uh, in uh, Defenders 11 it's a huge story gigantic story and I think it would be best if um, you experience it yourself because if we were to go stone by stone and we'd be here for another two hours but uh, the highlights include uh, and again it's a case of of hero versus hero we have the surfer versus the vision and the scarlet witch Iron Man takes on Hawkeye Doctor Strange in a very lopsided battle uh fights the black panther and mantis um the swordsman very appropriately fights uh valkyrie and uh, cap fitting goes toe-to-toe with his invaders buddy namor and we got uh, an appearance by sunfire yes we do like out of of nowhere well you know the x-men was probably yeah uh but uh the big daddy for me was actually Hulk versus Thor. Of course. Thor. Sure. Yeah. Um in typical Marvel fashion though, they all realize something's up, they team up and they they take on uh, take out Loki and Dormammu. But um I think they made with the sexy in uh I don't know exactly what issue it is, but when Dormammu generates the rain cloud over Scarlet Witch And and she's pelted by let's just call it the liquid, and it turns into glue. And she's got she's basically nude, and she has all of this liquid just streaming over her. Like that's uh, I I don't remember uh, encountering that panel for the first time, but now it's very suggestive. I think so. Indeed. Yeah. And then she goes through the you a know, good chunk of the story with all this goop <laughs> dripping off her. <laughs> oh, poor Wanda. Uh, but there, there's cameos galore. No more load. No. A uh, huge amount of... Uh, I mean, the story spreads into the entire Marvel Universe. So, you know, you have the mindless ones, the Watcher shows up, Spidey's there, Kazar, Doctor Doom, even Dracula's like... Oh. Yeah, but the man thing shows up. Okay, um, Thanos, and of course, where, where Thanos appears, so does Warlock. And they managed to to hip hop uh, through the entire Marvel universe, and just to you know give the reader the impression that this is not just affecting the defenders and defenders. This is a gigantic war in which everybody participates. It's pretty cool. Black Panther, like everybody's in this thing. The, uh, and and
2: Bob Brown is it like a chameleon because there are so many different art styles i'm looking at from from character to character whether it's um whether it's kirby whether it's it's John Bushima whether it's uh like you know Tuska or it's it's he's just got so many different styles on the page some some you know women are or there's some lines that are just super clean and crisp and then there's some that uh are are just rugged and 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 wrinkled it's i was i spent more time looking at the different ways he would draw uh dr strange compared to vision uh compared to silver surfer um i i i was digging brown's work
1: a couple of panels in Avengers one sixteen where the surfers just busted.
2: Yes, that I agree. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, uh, I thought I thought Bob was super inconsistent in its issues.
2: That's another like, word for it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like his Submariner, but then his Captain America looked kind of wonky, it, right, it, Especially right. when when they're flying through the air, I'm like, that's that's his, the, the stripes don't go all the way up to the back of his neck.
0: But I mean, I feel like Bob was like, you know what? Fuck a character model. Pretty much. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if
3: the gentleman's not, still with us. But, seriously, uh, like he, he
1: probably just did his best—the best work he can, and you're just like, <laughs> "Fuck this shit." I hate it. I never got the Mantis connection to the, to the Avengers. I—I I oh, thought she was so out of place. The the well, celestial okay. Madonna, like I. I thought, you know, in hindsight. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean,
0: no, I mean, swordsman, right? I mean, right.
1: But I think Mantis would have been a a better character to integrate into the Defenders. Sure. Yeah, that may be my Avengers bias. I don't know, but Mm. uh, to ensure Guardians of the Galaxy in the MCU. Oh yeah, to ensure that the Defenders is a team that's not a team in issue eleven. Dr. Strange scrubs the memory of the existence of the Defenders from everyone except the Avengers. You guys are cool. Just don't go bragging about it. But everybody else, they're going to forget we were even a thing. So, okay. Um, Strange resumes his efforts to free the Black Knight. And the uh, group is transported back in time where they're assaulted by oxymorons. Giant gnomes. Silliness. Yeah, not
0: the most imposing character designs in that.
1: No, opinion. some of them look like the Hulk, actually. Um, <laughs> but this issue, it was notable for me, for the Hulk wearing the, the hooded robe. He looks really cute in, in, in the robe, I think. He does.
0: And also, yeah. Frank Bowl is the inker in this one. and And it's, I think, a stunning departure, even though it's also drawn by Sal
1: from what we were getting. Uh eh, there's a lot of panels towards the end. Like there's a 9-panel grid on on at least two pages and then yeah. you know there, there's a, there was a lot of work that needed to be put into this issue. And I don't I don't know, maybe I feel like Frank was
0: maybe trying to save some money and use the the thinnest possible uh line that he could find. It's 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 micro thin. It's like f- extra fine point. There's no depth to his ink at all.
3: Hmm.
0: Look! Look huh. how fine all the outlines are. It, it, yeah, like, yeah he does have a surfer,
2: yeah.
1: does have a delicate touch. Uh, I, I, it's not an affront. It's just it's it's different. Yeah. Um, so Umpy uh, announced to Strange uh, that thing that he thought was um, a tool of Dormammu with the evil eye was in fact key to to dane whitman's escape uh and a good old black knight is freed from his prison and at the end of the issue everybody goes their separate ways this is it well yeah go ahead get out of here um and of course it's not the end because the series continued and, and they they do come back together again but um that's the meat of the book um there are. There's a lot of stuff that happens after this. Um, I think most notably, uh, giant size Defenders number one, which is which is a great little issue. Well, it's not little compared to the standard size uh, Marvel books. But I believe um, that you you recapped all those Defenders issues, and then the issue where Zemdu makes his prominent return you decide not to recap it i didn't well i wasn't going to recap it but i mean it it is a continuation of what was established before the the series even began right um yeah uh zemnu is 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 a nudge nudge wink wink initially by roy because essentially you have the hulk fighting the hulk right because zemnu when first introduced was called the hulk Mm-hmm. yes yeah and in those that were in the know in the Marvel, or, or more experienced in the Marvel Universe, they knew immediately. But those that didn't, probably didn't care because he's a cool looking beast. And, uh, the eyes do it for me on Zemnu. I don't, I, I'm cool with the plate on the head, but it's the eyes and the no mouth that really make the character for me. Uh, interested to see what that Marvel Legends looks like. Yeah,
0: it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean I, I think the sculpts on the legend build-a figures are usually pretty good.
1: Is it oh, yeah? significantly larger than the regular figures or is it well, it's, it's yeah, well it's I mean it's I think it's it, it's the same size as most of the build-a figures. So they usually do the over they usually do the larger characters like that. They used to go all out. For the build of figures, when I was and buying Sentinels. Marvel, yeah, like the Sentinels, Mojo was phenomenal. The Modok was amazing. Yeah. And well, I, oh, I mean, listen, there, they, there's only so many giant figures they can come up with, right? Now they're at the point where they're doing Zemnu.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I, I would trade my Onslaught for a Zemnu any day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Onslaught's cool, and he's a big chunk of plastic, but he doesn't have the the uh, the resonance with me that, that Zemnu does.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But, so, uh, the, the giant size is, uh, Starlin and Milgram. Yes. Right? With Tony Isabella writing, too.
1: There are some panels in this story where Starlin just goes all out on Clea mm-hmm. and, and Valkyrie, yeah, and it's just yeah. like, oh my God,
3: it's There's just, the sisters over here.
1: But, uh, true confessions. Mm-hmm. If I never saw Starlin draw the Hulk,
3: I'd, I'd be okay with it. I would be.
1: I would be definitely okay with it. This this issue, um,
2: this issue because it has a reprint um, of a uh, Submariner story. Um,
3: yeah,
2: it just it uh, as as uh, as talented an artist as ever it may be um i'm fine with other people anybody else writing namor um although we do get the expression great pickled penguins so, i mean that's right right there there's there, there's your money's worth for uh for the issue but um it was it, it was you know of all the old namor stories it was weird to uh for me it was it was it was weird for them to uh include that one in uh in this giant size reprint not quite reprint um
1: the, but the page was, count it, was probably exactly what they needed
3: <laughs>
2: yeah i can see that Cause yeah. even even the resolution uh wasn't you know it wasn't all that long and drawn out it was well like four pages so um i mean the, the panels are kind of packed it's it's
1: um I don't think it's the complete story. Um, it seems to me to be uh, somewhat truncated. That there, okay. m- yeah, there may have been stuff that came after, but they just shoehorned it into this narrative because they wanted to pad out the issue. Uh, you know, it doesn't. It, does it really make sense in terms of the big picture going on here? Kind of, but yeah, it's. It's not. I don't think it. If were it not in this issue, would you miss it? Mm. Right? No,
2: no. I mean, it is. It's. I think. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm. I prefer Milgram the inker over Milgram the penciler, and yeah, you know, I don't. Starlin is obviously apparent on these pages. I don't know. I, I I've seen Milgram not add much to. Um, not 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 be heavy-handed with the embellishing on on some pencils like. Comparing Milgram over Casada, compared to um, Danny Miki or, or Palmiati over Casada, there's there's a marked difference. But um, the seeing some of the defenders in in the story, um, it was it kind of. It allowed, I, I think reading this issue kind of like allowed me to kind of slow down a little bit between the, before we get into the next issue with, with, with the Squadron Sinister. But, you know, after the previous issue with, with, with Zen, I mean, we kinda, it kind of, this feels like it kind of just, as far as placement in the volume, hit me at, 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 at just the right time. So I didn't, I didn't dislike the story. Plus the reprints were able, I was, uh, that Hulk story I definitely read in the past, but, um, you know the rest of it. I I was able to kind of skim over, and then before we get back to to the nitty gritty, the the seeing Hulk watching um, Strange and Clea have a conversation was one of those optical illusions for me because I'm looking at his iris and I'm like I, I was trying to figure out what the hell the black was, but actually the black was in between the two figure faces, so it was that it was definitely a duck or rabbit old maid young maiden kind of kind of thing that threw me for a loop there and then and you have like hulk giving the side eye because he and strange can overhear valkyrie and um and clea talking but the uh i did um i guess i i must have blocked out of from memory um nighthawk's old cowl with that fucking Groucho Mark's nose. Yeah. Attached as, to it. As, but, as well uh, you should. Know, yeah.
1: Yeah. It That's just ridiculous. It, it's kind of like the old, the old, uh, Hawkman, where, uh, you got to wonder, did you never look in the mirror? Like your costume is ridiculous. Um, I don't think the nose applique works and, and they probably didn't either because it's it goes away.
2: Yeah.
1: Th- yeah thankfully.
2: Yeah. Um, but another Gil Kane cover on uh, Defenders number 13.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: And this time we have uh, Klaus inking Sal. Yeah. Um, yes, we do. And, you know, for no reason at all, we're going to have the Defenders, who are not a team, fight amongst themselves. Um, and Timely, though. Squadron Supreme. Yes. Yes,
0: indeed. I mean, Squadron sinister in this, but, I mean... Effectively, uh, given what's going on with Heroes Reborn right now, or just just went on, I guess we should say.
1: Yeah, the uh, the page where uh, Hawkeye, or not Hawkeye, um, Nighthawk, Nighthawk, is uh, surveying the damage uh, being done uh, from the forty second Street uh, vantage point. That technique appeared in a lot of Marvel books
2: uh, yeah, I,
1: during yeah. this period, where they would work in proportion to a double-page spread, but they would do it a lot smaller to save time. And uh, what they would do is they would blow it up on a stat camera to fill the the two pages. Like I remember seeing uh, the issue where uh, the grizzly grabs Spider-Man's leg and flings him around and bashes him off the wall. And I, I, was, I was thinking, this is the first instance where I notice it. These these lines don't look the same as the other lines in this book. They they're they're not as crisp and they're not as as uh, as clear. What's going on here? And then I saw it again in another Marvel book, and it always was something that stuck with me. And then to hear Roy explain it, yeah, they did those things smaller, at, you know, just to to save. And then we just we just enlarged them to fit the double page spread. And it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense now. Of course. Um, enlarging art is going to reveal the warts, right? Reduce, yeah. Reducing makes um, mm-hmm. art look better. Enlarging, ah, you know, unless it's super, yeah. super tight yeah. inking. Um, well, in this case, it's Klaus, so say no more. Uh, yeah. it, it doesn't look all that great.
0: By the way, they they uh, most of the Squadron Sinister look as they do currently, but I'm very happy to see that they slightly redesigned Nighthawk's costume because this uh, faux little beak thing he's going to call on his mask makes him look like Owen Wilson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's nice. Just saying. Yeah, Owen Wilson saying. does have a big honker. Well, he's, or, got, a broken he's honker. got a broken Well, very, very distinct honker. Yes,
2: yeah. yes, yes. Um, we get the... Uh, I, I think it's the first time, and then the second time happens shortly uh, after this event, but... Um, the first time, Valkyrie. This, they 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 pull Namor. Strange calls on Namor and and, and pulls him out from from Atlantis because they you know demand he he be present and and of course that doesn't uh, make Namor too happy. But um, Hulk is like uh, you know I'm I'm glad you're here and and you're cool with being here because I'd hate to have to fight you. Even though Fishman does wear funny clothes, and Valkyrie's like, "Yeah, what's what's up with the outfit?" Like, times of the essence, but please tell me who uh, who designed your, your clothes on this red carpet affair. It, it's it, but she does it again later on when Nighthawk changes costumes. It's like it. I don't know if that's something that they just figured. The woman would ask or that, you know, let's just have her say something or fans were wondering and therefore we're going to have one of the characters ask the question and call attention to it. It's just I mean, yeah, it's neat to see somebody in a different. Oh, it's all new costume, but it just it it struck me odd that it shouldn't have considering everything else in this book but it just <laughs> it, it kind of stuck out to me that you know she's like yeah yeah hey what's up with that outfit it's like dude that, like the, and then he's like he's like nah, that's that, that that's sorry for another time it's like dude it's just fucking clothes man i don't i i it, it you're making a bigger deal than than i think it is but all right cool but at least uh it's weird i i i get that it probably makes more sense to, to change the speedster's name, but because of the Squadron Supreme miniseries by uh by Grunwald, I i still can't think of, of him as anything other than the Wizard, even though that's that that's a silly
1: name. Well he's been having problems with his prostrate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gets up a couple times
1: But um I I don't like Yansen on Sal, but I I like Jansen on uh, Gil Kane even less. You and me both, brother. I, I do not think he 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 did any favors to Gil on Giant Size Number no. Two. The Hulk looks wrong, and I'm going to chalk no, it up no, as a, as a Jansen thing. I'm I'm not going to lay that on Gil because I've seen Gil draw the Hulk, and it yep. does not look like this.
2: It's it's uh, no. I mean, you can look at any of these covers, and there's there's Gil's Hulk, and yeah. and there are um. There are instances in that issue where I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't. it, The Hulk looks like Sylvester Stallone.
1: In some panels, yeah, it's just the yeah. the, the face shifts.
2: He's like so pretty in some it, yeah in some panels, and it's like that that's so weird. And and then and then six sixty eight is just wonky. as all get out, but uh, there's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. It, it just and. The first time I was aware of this artistic team up was uh, the second or third issue of What If, um, which was an Avengers tale, and I believe a Squadron Supreme appearance, Squadron Sinister appearance, but um, or no, maybe it was the Atlas. Anyway, I I I didn't particularly care for it. Then it was, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's neat to see, like, hey, I wonder what that would look like. But now that I know, I uh, just just keep it away.
1: Yeah. I think the finesse with which Gil Kane approaches the human form doesn't work well with an inker that, by all accounts, is erratic. Uh, Yansen yeah. works on Miller. We've, right. we've seen that works very well on Miller. Although, if it were, if Dark Knight was inked by Miller himself, it would have been a, a much more beautiful book, I think. But. When you have somebody that sculpts to the extent that Gil Kane does, where everything is just beautifully rendered, and you got a guy like Jansen coming in, just going like I, I'm, I'm downplaying Jansen's contribution, of course, but I really don't think that his emotion based inking fits. Um, I think he's too heavy on the facial features. There, there, there's some. Uh,
2: Page six seventy two. There's very little Gill on here at all.
1: Yeah, it, it, he's just the the shadowy technique that he plasters on the facial uh, features. It it it's not visually compelling to me. It just looks wrong. Um, like it, it, a lot of cases, it looks like characters are underlit. Like there's a there's a spotlight um, or uh, for underneath their chin. And it's just pushing these these shadows over their face, and it's just uh it's just odd and and I don't know, I would have liked to see uh anybody else on the, like McLaughlin or anybody in this book on these issues, but not notjannsen mhm, mm-hmm.
0: I think we can all agree it's high time we got Nebulon back as a big bad, yeah,
1: oh, he's cool looking, yeah, I think he could do I'm a lot lost. with Nebulon, yeah you could do a lot with that indeed, but like I said there uh, i i I didn't put too much stock in the magneto issue it's kind of strange uh even for defenders it's just weird uh but at least it has a beautiful cover yeah right but um you get another text piece this time by uh, again, Roy Thomas, but these were pulled from other sources. Nice to have them all under one cover, right? Um, And then uh, Luke Cage shows up. Well, yeah, because he's got a job to do. Always the wrecking crew.
3: Mm -hmm, Jesus Christ.
1: They beat up Thor.
3: Did they, though?
1: (laughs) 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 They They let you know every time they show up. Yeah, um, again, uh, not my favorite. But they, they're they perfectly suited for the Defenders because the Wrecking Crew is just a weird bunch of guys. Um, Construction-based. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, Jason may have love for them. I don't know where you stand on the Wrecking Crew, David, but I always groaned whenever I saw them.
2: I, I kind of like... Um, uh... I think I like Thunderball out of all of them. A homie with his magic crowbar isn't that uh, that d- d- doesn't doesn't do anything. Pal driver no, and and Wrecker is just looks like a dread not knockoff. But um,
3: looks like he walked out of
1: Masters of the Universe. It's like like yeah. Ram like Ram Man. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, but
2: no, yeah, they're not. They're not exactly. I always considered them, you know. I mean, they've they
1: may be a threat to the new warriors. I I, I
2: don't they,
1: they mm, no. Yeah. I'm,
2: I'm, but that yeah.
1: bullshit where they went toe to toe with Thor, like, come on, <laughs> seriously.
2: And then they're 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 almost rape of she Hulk in Secret Wars.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the end of the book is awesome because it's it's peppered with original Marvel ads, um, <clears throat> and you can thank. Uh, Gaspar Saladino for a lot of this but uh, that's on my list one of the things uh, I I love to see whenever I see it just makes my day is the uh, original ad for Monsters Unleashed number one with that super cool Pablo Marcos running werewolf I love that image Um, even when it's badly colored uh, but the the best way to see that ad is within the pages of the Marvel magazines because they of course were in black and white uh, there's just something about that ad that is an instant uh, Wayback Machine for me. Uh, and then the other one in here was the uh, the Conan ad. Gary <laughs> yep. Smith. Yep. Love it. I, I think
0: the Alpha of the Ultimate Mutant is, like, super weird, but also creative. Like... His big head. I mean...
1: What he's got a big head.
0: Well, but it evolves, right? Like, like, like it starts off, and it's this jet, ju- this giant dumb Cro-Magnon, uh being that Magneto's sitting there saying, "Ha ha, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, it's it's the key to my domination." And you're thinking, like, what the fuck's he smoking? And second, first of all, and then second of all, like, since when does Magneto know how to create life? Like, he's the fucking high evolutionary all of a sudden, but. Um, but then like as the issue go on, <laughs> like he evolves into this big-brained super evolved dude and uh i don't know i think you could have fun with that like i think someone like morrison could have had a blast with that
3: oh
1: yeah like, if, if yeah definitely did something with it you know yeah and, and i mean the the ip's already there if i ever yeah, got that's what i'm saying yeah right if i ever got tasked with with you know coming up with a, an interesting or intriguing storyline i would plumb the depths of the bronze age like why not There's so many concepts there that have not been used to their full extent,
3: right? Yep.
1: Or could be uh, expanded upon. For sure. Well, um, my list only has one other thing on it, because I talked about uh, Hulk wearing Strange Cloak of Levitation, the Silver Surfer being the Yeti Daddy, <laughs> uh, the dimensional doorway will with Hulk uh, blocking it, uh, but the uh, the nameless one eats Namor, and it's awesome because he plops him into his mouth, and then he he's not looking so good, and there's like smoke coming out of out of his his uh, his clenched. Uh, jaw and then all of a sudden boom namor comes out oh no you're not gonna eat me like it's just a like who would have thought to have the villain eat namor it's just silly it, it's it's but it's one of those sequences like why not let's have the villain eat one of our characters it would have been cool if he ate the hulk and and had the hulk just blast out of his belly and Rip a hole in the guy's in the thing's body. That would have been extra awesome. But the fact that he na- ate Namor was pretty cool. He, he likes his his fish. Yep. And Namor goes through a lot of different uh, states during this thing because Dorma apparently gets killed early, early on. Like right in the pages of Submariner before he goes into this. Dorma's gone, and then. Um, he's shown the vision of Dorma when when they they show the Hulk, Jarella, and, you know, the the roll call of their significant others. Clea's there. and um, Then it's, uh, Atuma drops the bomb that uh, Dorma, you know, may not have been killed. And uh, it's just, it seems like, then there's the Mackenzie thing where he was ousted from Atlantis and had to assume a different role. It's just... Uh, I think there's a lot of different shred- slices of Namor and even the new costume. He com- he became a completely, not completely, but a, a, a significantly different character when he teamed up with Dr. Doom for the supervillain team-up series. Um, when he had that, his best costume to date ever was the blue costume with the yellow. With the wings. Oh, I love that costume. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't see Namor's feet wings actually working like it's a nice visual touch but how could those wings propel a man it's
0: just it's also ridiculous because like anatomically what like what would (laughs) why would there be little wings on his ankles like right and and the fact that he's he's an underwater guy right he's
1: water-based how do wings work underwater they should be webbed right i mean for all
0: the all the shit that dap gives uh x-23's foot claw this is
1: far more egregious uh I, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. So what did, did you guys <laughs> Did you guys read um Supervillain Team Up?
0: Uh I think, I think like, it only
1: lasted 12 issues or, or not much longer than I that. I think mean, I came across or an there.
0: issue here or there, but yeah. Never, yeah. yeah. The giant size <laughs> yeah.
1: is awesome. The cover uh by Gil Kane is just amazing. Uh it's it's one of my favorite covers ever. Yeah. It's just great. But it's Gil. The guy didn't do shoddy work. Thank you. Right? I had a a hell of a time reading this. I thought it was yeah, just, just wonderful. I, I, I got to say, this is not the first
0: Bronze Age nostalgia book that we've read. And I don't know if it's because I have a much stronger tie to the source material and the characters or what are just, a, just right place, right time mindset. But I all of the things that if I had never read this before or was from it came up in a different era I might have nitpicked and found this hard to digest I I, I gobbled up like uh, like a plate full of uh, carbs to, to you know <laughs> this, this time. It was it was like I mean I, I just found it endearing versus versus annoying and and we've made several references to the fact that certainly if these stories came out today in their same form they'd he'd be probably laughed off the shelves. But that's kind of the point. I mean, comics back then were written this way. Yeah. And, and this is the kind of comic that we were reading when we fell in love with comics, for good or for bad. I mean, I, I don't. I think in many ways, comics today are better than comics were then just because they're they're made for adults and they're, they are cohesive and, and well thought out. So I'm, I'm not saying it's like 100% this way versus that way. But man, oh man, I, I for whatever reason, this was a lot of fun. Um, and I think part of it is because it is... Uh, in this particular bunch of stories also is super Avengers adjacent. And, and this is certainly an era of uh, the Avengers that I, I did go back and acquire the issues and read ravenously. So um, yeah, I mean, Ang- yeah. Angle heart you know, we, we've, we certainly sung Roy's praises over the years, but, but Angle it's one of my dudes too. Yeah.
1: You know? No, he, I, but um, just to get back with, to what you were saying obviously i i'm not signing the bottom of that document where you think comics today are better than they were back then <laughs> be, be, if if all comics uh, if the approach to all mainstream mainstream comics was this bronze age anything goes i would be very very broke because i, I would not be able to yeah get, and to to i don't mean to,
0: to take it off on a tangent what i'm trying to say and i've had this conversation uh, before when it comes to art it's that Um, just the expectations are much different now it the the uh, audiences are it's a much smaller audience it's an audience that's read decades of these stories for the most part that that needs it's that much harder to surprise or engage us we we side-eye things we we are trained to to nitpick at things that don't make sense or aren't 100% logical or or twists that can become seen a mile away and there was just a different time. It was these comics weren't written that way. They were literally written, as we know, just sitting in a room saying, "Oh, we got to get this issue out this week. What should we do? Oh, let's come up with this character and let's have him do this." And yeah, and then he'll do this. And it was a, a lot more freestyle and 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 unbridled by. Uh, th- they had continuity, and that was a hook. But the continuity was accidental. They they they, they the continuity was just simply the fact that they went in under the auspice that what happened in the prior issue actually happened and they had to build off of it, but it was a, it was just a freeform continuation of, of, of what happened with no real consequence or penalty for changing things up or non sequiturs or, um, or, 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 uh, different interpretations. And, and, and now we just, we're, we're just laser focused on that stuff. And, and the same could be said with art. It's just, so I'm not, again, I, I made the point of saying, I don't think I'm not saying it, 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 it is better now, I'm saying, but just that the level of 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 meticulous detail and scrutiny that superhero comics are held to today is just incomparable versus what it was like back then when when most of this was new and we went into it with a, whatever we get, we're going to be happy with. Um, we just we that we, we long past that point of no return uh, as, as a collective fandom for, for the worst. I mean, I I wish I could go back. I I long for those days. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm saying, I just think that the, the pressure of being a comic book storyteller at Marvel or DC now, uh, at least in terms of the major books is, is intense. It's intense in a way that it wasn't back then.
1: Um, So, But, but if you look at the evolution of the defenders to the present day, it's one of the few Marvel books that uh whether the people that work on it are beholden to the original formula, I don't know what the answer is. But it's one of the few Marvel books that the creative teams try to recapture that anything goes formula, uh with which the book was founded. Like if you look at um uh Larson's run on Defenders is insane. It's wacky. Oh, oh uh, I loved it yeah and then the the keith giffen uh kevin mcguire miniseries is ridiculous and and it looks like al ewing and uh rodriguez are are also going for that that you know why not uh approach with you know betty harpy and it's just it, it looks very odd very unlike everything else that's going on or, or has gone on in the marvel universe i just i don't know whether it, it's it's the, uh, the fondness these creative teams have for the original formula. But it seems like Defenders is one of those books where, you know, they, they just approach it like, why the hell not? Like, th- this book is found, was founded on insanity, just, just oddball strangeness. So why don't we just perpetuate that? That's why I always will give the Defenders uh, a shot. Like, there mm-hmm. are some that didn't work. Um, uh, I don't remember who wrote it, but, uh, there were characters in, like, I think there was one Defenders Mini where Shang-Chi was on the team, and... You're not thinking
2: of Heroes for Hire, are you?
1: No, no, it, um, it was actually one of the trade paperbacks that we got from, um, when we, when we met you uh, recently, and I was just flipping through it, and it's just, it, it was too, uh contemporary they they were they were trying to uh shoehorn the defenders into this formula that it didn't really fit uh it looked like everything else uh to me anyway and i don't think that's that's what works with the defenders i mean if i remember correctly the hulk was picking his nose on the cover the first issue of giffen's uh stab at it so like why not you know um but yeah, uh, and I, I agree. Time marches on. And oh, are you
0: talking about the, fear, uh, the uh, Fearless Defenders?
1: No, I can go get the book. It's it's oh, right okay. over here. Um, if if you guys want to say something about it, I'll go grab it. And it just save Well, because
0: the Fearless Defenders was the one with Colin Bunn, and it was like the street level. No,
1: that that is not this.
0: Okay, I need well, to Fury know what it is. It, but it was. Uh, I know that uh, Power Man and Iron Fist were in it. Misty Knight was in
1: it. I do believe that. Um, Iron Fist is in it. Yeah. Maybe that's... Yeah, that is the one that... Because Misty was was in the mix, too. So okay. maybe okay, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That that did not work for me.
0: Yeah. And then there was the, uh, the Secret Defenders, as well, back in the 90s.
1: Right. Yeah. Ron Which, Mars. I think. Of course, had Wolverine in the mix. Of course. <laughs> and <laughs> well, Nomad, too, so if I remember. All,
0: I mean. No. <laughs> no. No, I mean, it was uh, Secret Defenders was what it was. Yeah, it was uh, Dark Hawk, uh, the second Spider-Woman, Jessica, Carpenter, yeah. Wolverine, Kitty, and Strange, right? I think. And then Cap and Scarlet Witch joined. It was a pretty wild series.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess wild is a is a word yeah i mean like all 90s things
0: totally forgettable I mean, not something that
1: we need to do a book of the month
0: on yeah
1: this is true but then there was one um that best defense that that popped up not too long ago maybe about three years ago that i guess that was uh, a step in it was a little too dark um art wise but uh, I guess it was a step in the, in the any iteration of the as I said the Defenders I'll give at least a passing glance, but uh, the the spirit just wasn't there. Um, it was a series of one shots.
0: Yeah, Immortal Hulk was part of it.
1: Yeah. But there you go, Defenders, Omnibus Volume One, massive. Uh, I, I, as I was reading this, I was like, "Well, you know what? I'm kind of glad that this isn't standard omnibus size." I was because, just
0: gonna say, for all yeah. the shit we were giving it about how small
1: it was relative to
0: some other omnibus, it made it digestible.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, I didn't get the indentations in my ribs from right. from reading it. You know, uh, a normal omnibus or a stan- uh, uh, the average omnibus, it presses on my ribs when I when I read it in the. the the lounge chair and it's like it's very uncomfortable you got to keep shifting yeah modern problems i know but um this one was was obviously of lighter weight so it didn't crush and it was a better experience just reading it some of them are i have to admit just too unwieldy when you got a four inch thick book it's that that's hard to read like the dc one million i've been trying to read that and it's it's massive the the superman exiled Uh, volume two it's just it's at least three inches thick i was like wow what do you do with this well anything it wants to do right but Mm -hmm. yeah they're tough to read again you know so sad for us but uh there you go defenders volume one awesomeness um buy roy a sandwich or something when you see him to thank him for coming up with this team um the importance of roy thomas at marvel cannot be overstated in my opinion I think Roy is as crucial to the Marvel Universe um, as Stan and Jack. In his own little way, well, not little, but his contribution to me is very much as important as the, uh, the founders of the Marvel Universe. Because he did insane things with the, the groundwork that those men laid down and mm. uh, arguably yes the marvel was very hot in the 60s and and you know may have been waning um during the 70s or at least beginning to wane but i don't think that was entirely their fault i think a lot of the the newsstand distribution was was getting cocked up and new outlets were forming for comics and people weren't uh prices were rising and uh children were less willing to part with a dollar for a comic than say you know a quarter or, or 35 cents so there was a lot of factors i think that that impacted marvel's um declining sales numbers but they're still number one in terms of sales right uh discounting batman uh, doesn't marvel yeah. s- still have oh, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the lion's share of of yep. the yeah so i mean the 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 experiment is still working Mm -hmm. um but just not as well as it did in the the 60s like from everything i've read marvel just exploded just ran ramshackle over dc uh because they captured the uh the college age which uh i don't think dc for the most part managed to do i mean there may be uh evidence to the contrary i've never i've never seen it no stan went on the college
2: circuit he yeah he he did lectures and the uh again going back to the to the whole lingo and and the stories that were written, and you know you have <laughs> you have characters like Spider man or the human torch uh or in some cases the x men which you know yeah, they're mutants, but depending on your background uh some of the characters may be a little bit more relatable than than some dude from another planet who can move a mountain or a planet and, right uh the 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 rich playboy and and the amazon so it, it's it, they the dc stories as much as i love them they they came across as as stiff and when you when you have characters who originated in the golden age yeah you know green lantern is your grandpa's character plastic man is your grandfather's character it's like no one i want to read about a new younger universe filled with characters i can relate to that are swinging around new york city because i live in new york city and not you know wherever the hell central city or coast
1: city might be yeah it's true um you're never ever gonna hear this out of my mouth again but um i always discount stan's contribution to the the marvel legacy um r- regardless of my opinion of the dude as a creative individual um if stan wasn't the personality that he created within the comics i don't think marvel would have been nearly as successful i think they they would have been a footnote in in a lot of sense uh because um for the most part dc editorial was invisible right right yeah Uh, yeah. carmine dick Mm -hmm. uh, all those guys may have done uh exemplary work but they were never they were never a character within the book stan's character was what as a kid kept me uh, aside from the fact that spider-man is is awesome um the stan's character was the thing that kept me coming back what is this crazy old guy gonna say in the bullpen bulletins page or what's this stuff why is stan wearing a uh, an american flag hat right it, and you saw pictures of him in the comics you never even saw uh, anybody that worked on on dc comics for the most part like look at, in this in this book roy thomas continued the trend um, at least the writers did um uh, by inserting roy into the book and it's like that's so cool um, and it makes you feel like you're in on the, the the, the plan here, or you, or you know these people, you're familiar with them. But Stan became the guy uh, when I was a kid because he was just he was like the Andy Warhol. He was a a, a, a caricature of, of of a person that was um, a player in this giant tapestry of, of comic books. You didn't have that at DC, so I got to give Stan credit for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, right. The, the, you you can't talk about any of these people, but particularly Stan, without acknowledging how complicated they are. I mean, they're they're not. There were great things about him and horrible things, and right. there are things that he's given far too much credit for, and and some of which he's carefully orchestrated to make that way. And there are some things that he absolutely deserves all the credit in the world for, not just for his own success, but the medium of comics, and 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 where where these characters are today i mean for all of the, the but it's complicated because on one hand he saw the power of these characters to transcend comic books decades before anyone else did but then on the other hand he was a shitty enough businessman that he basically gave away the rights to half of these characters for pities for pennies at a terrible time and to this day they don't have all of them back so like it's it's you know he he's love him or hate him and i know most of our listeners have a strong opinion one way or the other. I, I, I think that he's probably the most complicated person in comics history, because he's certainly like he's the definition of important, but but important for really great and really shitty things all at all at once. Right. Like, right. And I I know we you have a little shtick where you you dismiss him out of hand and then we, yeah. And I know that shtick, but like he he is. I, I think I don't. You, you can't be Roy. You can't be Roy and just treat him like he was God. And you can't be Zach, Zach, right? And act like he's the devil incarnate. He was neither. You know, he was neither. He was a opportunist who did a lot of good for a lot of people, and, and number one himself. But but he also he also wasn't. He had no problem with um, stepping on 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 people to get what he wanted. Right. I so. think
1: he's the epitome of upper management, um, where he uh is uh, a taker give me a thing that i can sell uh i'm going to put my name on it but um your job is to make this thing for me i'll take it out there and i'll make everybody want it that was stan's job right uh, well whether he uh got in because of uh family ties whatever the case once he was there right. he he was a very good salesman and yep. i can't take that away from him yeah. Now, the things he was selling, uh, he was selling was was created by uh individuals far more intelligent and uh creative than himself, but you got to give the guy props for knowing a good thing when he saw it. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the, yeah. he had a vision where these characters can be much more than they are now. And it was like, "What? Comic books get out of here." And and Marvel had it's it's dalliance with tv and you know the 70s where the hulk was extremely popular at one time and you know the spider-man show did okay right and then the cartoons and the big snowball and stan pushing to get these these characters in the movies it's all i mean you know it's out there but um i will forever be team jack that there was two pieces of the puzzle the guy that uh, there was the God of Comics that created the entire universe, and there was the guy that let you know that you can't live without this stuff. So you you got to get it, and Marvel's the only place you can get it. That was Stan, the ultimate hype man. Yeah, I agree. There's no been nobody better as far as a cheerleader for comics. Stan was top of the list, definitely. But he was cheering because it was making him money. Of course, yeah. Of course. yeah, of course. I yeah. I don't hate Stan. Um, yeah, I just love Jack. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I think really a lot of uh, a lot of people's criticism of Stan now is, I think, more a criticism of 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 um, capitalism and, and corporate sure. law. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it all really. I mean, I'm, I, I don't want to oversimplify a, a whole swath of people's viewpoints i'm sure they're all diverse and complicated themselves but but like at the end of the day it's because this concept of copyright and trademark and and freelance existed and right. it was determined to be legal and and uh, kosher and and that caused the ripple effects of everything that we think about all of these people now like right. because now we live in a world where ip is so valuable right like everybody's I mean, it fucking doesn't matter whether you're making YouTube videos, your kids making YouTube videos, unboxing shit or you or you're creating a, a new type of uh, of, of long haul optical fiber. It, like you, people are all very conscious of like, well, I have to make sure I maintain ownership in this idea. But but I think people's mindset today is driven in, in large part because of stories like Jax and and and, and the Superman dudes. And, uh, you know, like just because they they didn't they didn't get there. They didn't get their cheddar, and and legally they, unfortunately, it's been determined weren't owed that cheddar. But yet, we see the power of them, and like these are literally, I mean, I mean we're talking about what? We, I mean, the Marvel Universe is now a hundred billion dollar enterprise, right? Like, like probably more. And it's just crazy to think that like Kirby's grandkids aren't sitting in a private island somewhere, just like fucking, just just cashing that check, you know?
1: It's a shame. It sucks, but equally important. Um, I always line up. You got Stan and Jack, right? And then, uh, for creative reasons, I put Roy in there because uh, again, Roy's contribution to the Marvel universe is very specific contribution to Marvel. But in terms of comics, right? You gotta tip the hat to Eastman and Laird, who who are of monumental importance, not to mainstream comics. But to, to show up-and-comers that, hey, you don't have to relinquish all your rights to your characters. You don't have to go through the normal channels like Marvel and DC. You can do it all by yourself. And for every thousands and thousands that failed, there was one or two in there that managed to squeak the juice out of the the uh, Eastman and Laird formula like Mignola, right? Um, To a lesser extent, Mike Allred, but look at the guys now where, you know, fortunes can be made in comics if you just manage Mark Miller. Say no more. Right. Uh, But again, you have to I put Eastman and Laird on a a plateau, not for um, creative reasons, but just Mm -hmm. for that capitalism um, gone awry. You can you can uh, say that for how important Stan was to Marvel and comics, Eastman and Laird are equally important to the the art form of comics to show uh, to blaze a trail for creators that uh, should not be beholden to these two giant corporations that just take.
0: I think uh, th- that would be an interesting episode because if you talk about creator rights in comics and who who deserves props, because you can. You can go the Neil Adams, you can, I mean, you can go the Neil Adams route. You can go, I mean, there, there's lots, like Eastman and Laird, yeah. absolutely. Alan Moore, the Creator Bill of Rights. I mean, there's, there's... Yeah. Like,
2: Dennis Kitchen.
0: Yeah, Dennis Kitchen, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot, like, like, and again, Game we can have an interesting discussion about how much each of these people are owed. Are they over, are they overcredited?
1: Are they undercredited? You know? Yeah, but for all its sturm drank drang, the, the Creator's Bill of Rights didn't amount to shit.
0: No, no, I get that, but that's what makes it an
1: interesting. Conversation, right? I mean the the, mean, the, like, the like impetus the impetus was great, um, and and you had all these stalwarts of the indie publishing arena. Dave Sim being pretty much foremost among them. Veach was there. Uh, I mean,
0: Scott McCloud created it, but right,
1: but yeah. at that time,
0: uh, yeah, Sim was probably the biggest star. Yeah, right?
1: I don't remember McCloud being at the initial summit, but whatever the case, well, he was the he wrote it. Um, but they were all gung ho, and and I think Steve Bissett's recollection of the events is 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 the most compelling read. They were all so into it, and this is going to change everything. And then they all just abandoned it. It it it, it literally went nowhere. And so I mean, yeah. the while the 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 thrust was a good and necessary idea, I I think they it just fizzled out. And then you had guys that just took the spirit of it and, and ran with it.
0: Um, I mean, Eastman with Tundra is born directly out of that, right? I mean, sure.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. In the modern day, you got Kirkman. Right? Well, and
0: then image, I mean, like even, I mean, the Credible Ritz was late eighties and then image comes in 90, 91, 92, 92. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, again, it, it's, this could make an interesting conversation. I think so. It um,
1: and uh, it, it's one of the reasons, one of the only reasons to, to search out back issues of Puma blues, because there's an issue where uh, it's all laid out in in teeny tiny text in in the back Never pages. It. Michael Zulli, right? That's yeah. That's it's the yeah. issue with it. There's a red border around the issue, and there is a uh, a puma uh, or a, at least a, or a mountain lion or something on the cover. And uh, it, I have like six copies of it because mm. the, the the back matter is what it, it, there's a legacy to it. And uh, I think it's very important. It should be read by everybody. I don't know whether they, re- imp- they reprinted it in the Puma Blues omnibus. It's sad if they didn't. I haven't. Yeah, no, and, and I've never even cracked it open because, uh, yeah, I remember trying to get through Puma Blues, and it's just, it's a, it's a morass. But um, it's beautiful to look at. It's just, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, and then in the pages of cerebus we're getting off on a tangent in the pages of cerebus sim would go on and on about created rights and and how to how to publish the the cerebus way and and all that and um now he's making uh pastiche comics for a very 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 small audience yeah there you go Mm -hmm. all right book of the month hey we have to thank our patrons for doing this for us. They're there all the time. We love them so much. If you would like to check out what the whole brouhaha is about, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and see the festivities constantly going on. I forgot to mention, going in, the Slack channel. Slack channel has exploded. Uh, it is not a collection of patrons. It is a family. And there are very frequently revelations within the Slack channel that... um Concern me because um, there are people burying their souls within the Slack channel, and these are people I care very deeply about. So, like I said, it's, it's not just a random collection of, of uh, individuals. It, it has become this very, very tightly woven family, and I love it. So, uh, if you would just like to even tip your toe in the water, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and find out what the jig is. In your travels... Uh, I read a book that was given to me by one of those people I very care uh, so deeply about that it scares me at times. Because I shouldn't, because he's very frequently a pain in the ass. But he gave this to me, and I love him. Uh, When I tell you the creative team, you're going to hear somebody in this room gasp. Uh, It was written by Carl Kessel. (laughs) with (laughs) With pencils by Tom Grummet. And inks by Doug Hazelwood. Um, Glenn Whitmore was the colorist. It's Adventures of Superman 501. Mm. You know who gave this to me? Who gave it to you? My man David gave this to me. Yeah, it's got the die cut cover. It is uh, part of the reign of the Superman storyline. In this instance, it focuses on Superboy. And his arrival in Metropolis and everybody wondering where he is or, or or who he is and what the deal is. And he reveals that he's a clone and he shows up at the planet office and, you know, tips Jimmy on his head. And Lois isn't taken too kindly to it. And then she calls up Ma and she's like, Ma, this 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 kid is claiming to be Superman. Like, what's up with that? And Ma's like, well, he doesn't have the manners of a child that were raised by, by me and Jonathan. And, and uh, Lois is like, you know what? You're right. You didn't raise them. But anyway, um, if if I was hard-pressed to uh, list my all-time favorite creative teams, Grummet and uh, Hazelwood would be in the mix with, with Carl Kessel writing. Uh, there was something about this pairing of these individuals that created what, by all accounts, I call the perfect comic book. Because I believe this issue is one of those... Um, Sparkly little gems in the comic book firmament. There is, there is zero flaws in this issue. Um, I just love Grummet's work. I think the way he molds um, the line into these characters is just without measure. I have such a soft spot for Tom Grummet. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, I even read Thunderbolts. When Grummet was drawing it just because oh, wow. Yeah, he was yeah. on the book. And um there's one scene in here that always that got me when I first read it, and revisiting it for the umpteenth time, it it, it, it got me again. Um in the wake of, of Superman's disappearance or death, right? Um part of Metropolis is hard up, right? Especially Suicide Slump. There's not a whole lot of food to go around. People are going hungry, but Bibbo is doing his thing, and he's he's trying to feed the needy. And when he makes a sandwich, Bibbo puts it in the bag, and he's stapled. <laughs> he stapled he stapled the bag. And but that's just Bibbo's way. And the the guy's like, "Dude, there's there's staples in this sandwich." And Bibbo's like, eh, "It'll be okay. I'm just trying to do I'm just trying to help out." But there's a woman. This is the part that always gets me they're 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 dockside and there's a woman with a bag of puppies and and well she had a bag of puppies and she's crying and bibbo's like what's up and she's like i didn't know you were going to bring food and and i didn't want my babies to live uh to starve to death so i drowned them right and bibbo dives into the water uh and pulls the bag up and there's there was three puppies uh in the in the the bag and and unfortunately two of them are dead but one of them is a white puppy and bibbo takes the puppy and and names it after his favorite and he calls the puppy krypton and there's two dudes in the back like getting all teary-eyed and this scene just i mean it, it it's a i would guess that maybe those um attuned to mainstream comics at the time would find this this scene excessive or unnecessary but um it's the scene that made the whole book for me i mean i love bibbo i think bibbo's one of the best characters to ever walk through the superman mythology i think he's um way up there in my list of favorites and just seeing bibbo's heart right displayed on the page for everybody just to to, to pick up on it, it it's a great issue. Um, and then Superboy saves uh, a jogger from being um, killed and/or worse at the hands of these ne'er do wells. And before he leaves, he plants a big old kiss on her. Like that would totally not fly today, <laughs> but it's it's Superboy, right? Come on, you know he's the the idol of uh, of millions. I just think the jacket works for me. The whole character of uh, of of Superboy works. The the environment. This is just a perfect comic book. And uh, fooey on me for selling it way back in the day. And uh, now I have it again, thanks to my buddy David.
3: Aww, yeah. The Bibbo.
1: It's, it's, you don't
3: mess with the Bibbo.
2: No, yeah, no, it's it's. it's the Bibbo. It's good stuff. I, I mean, it, it's
1: it. But the, the reason, reason why these issues work for me, I think, I mean, if I, if I had to come to a conclusion, why did the triangle era work so well for me? Was because somewhere I believe that it was patterned on the cast of characters from Amazing Spider-Man. Just that cohesive ball of mm. of you know. uh opposites in some cases like Gloria Grant at the paper and Betty and 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 um Robbie and Norman uh, or or Harry and Liz like they just had these characters that uh, we really shouldn't have cared about but the writers were so great uh, especially uh Jerry Conway where um it just the 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 Bugle felt like the Daily Planet to me And I didn't know that because I never was a DC reader while I was reading the Bugle stuff. But once I became a DC reader, that whole environment at the planet felt a a lot like the Bugle offices to me. And it just spread from there. So I I think a good reason why I'm just so enamored with the Triangle era is it just, I don't know, it makes me feel uh, a lot of the same ways I felt when I was reading uh, Amazing Spider-Man for the first time. I could understand that. Yeah, it, it's not definitely not the same, but the 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 aroma is is similar. It's yeah, I mean, you you had it was a weekly Superman
2: story, so it makes sense that in order to get the most out of it, you're going to, you know, each each creative team, each book is going to kind of focus on some a different aspect in in Superman's world or life even though they they're telling connecting stories but you know whether it's uh adventures of superman with uh with with Hamilton uh oh, or, or Man of Steel with with uh Lex luther the 2nd and and Supergirl or you know, everybody you've got you've just got a whole bunch but you've got more than just Superman. Like it's not, you're not just reading a Superman comic. It's, it's act, it, it is, it's, it's, it's the Daily Planet or it's Smallville or it's the Kents or it's Lois. It, it's, you, you got so much out of, out of what these creative teams did. It was, it, it, it and every week you just, oh, I, is it, it, yeah. such a special time.
1: On a tangent, I didn't, uh, comment when Jason talked about Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, but and I didn't read the issue yet. Uh, I I paged through it, but I have a sneaking suspicion, knowing Tom, that Matrix is going to show up in that series. I could dig it. Yeah, I, I mean Tom knows the history, and I'm sure he's going to capitalize on it. But I I'm going to bet before the twelve issues are done that you see Matrix within that that series. Just a hunch. I have no evidence at all other than what we know of Tom. Um, and, uh, the fact that I love Matrix. <laughs>
3: so, <laughs>
1: I'm just, maybe it's just hoping. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, um, I can't have enough triangle era Superman issues. Nope. I, again, I just gotta punch me in the, myself in the face for, for selling them. But, uh, say love, say love. We'll get as many back as. Yeah, I'm, that's, that's, uh, my goal now, from from now until the the day I expire, is to try and get all of those triangle era um, Superman back, and then I'll bestow them to my children, and they'll be like, "WTF? What are you going to do dupl- with these?" Yeah. So. Well, I don't I, I
2: don't mind duplicates. So you know. You oh, same. Address.
1: Yeah, same. Uh, well, well, uh, I'll be. I'm probably going to die before you, so again. you'll get all my books anyway. Aww. Well, Jason, don't need them. I could use some of them. Well, right? you tell tell me what you want. I'll 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 uh, post it. Note the boxes, and I'll just send them to you. I'll definitely take
2: one of those Puma blues. I don't have that. Um, and your trubs. I didn't. I didn't finish this uh, preview from um, from Image, but I just I want to make everybody aware of it. If they didn't pre-order it um but it's Cain and abel by shaky kane and krent abel and it is just <laughs> balls out nuts um i i mean it's 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 over 70 pages uh is uh, i'm not going to call it an anthology there's there are a couple different stories in it um there's uh the astonishing the astonishing shield bug uh, there's Cain and Abel's exquisite corpse. Uh, black fur is just a fucking black fur is something that I think would have been just fine in the underground comics in the seventies or early eighties. It it's just it's it's got that look to it. It's got that wacky, makes sense but it shouldn't kind of attitude. Um but it's just it's i really it just there's there's something about you know creators who love the medium take advantage of of what they can do on a page and uh just want to share a story and and whether it's a story that you want to read you think you might enjoy or uh it, it the stories in this book are going to take you on a bit of a roller coaster. You might be revulsed. You might be, um, you might, you're definitely going to laugh. Um, uh, but it is, it, it's, you know, it's saying it's a lot of fun. It feels like it's giving it the short shrift, but, um, no, it, it's, it is. It's bonkers in such a good way. I, it, it's it's a compliment of the highest order that 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 you know just by me throwing that out there. But it it's uh yeah I I, I can't wait to just sit down and read it. I I I started it and then I just jumped around a little bit, flipped through some pages, um, but it's it's nuts and I'm glad something like this exists. It it's it's one of the reasons why. I enjoy comics as much as I do. Is, is because we'll get things like this every once in a while and um and I think it's worth your time. In Your Travels Cain
1: and Abel by uh Shaky Cain and Krent Abel. Yeah, it'll be in my next box. Yeah, same. You familiar with the exquisite corpse method of creation? Uh yes. Um i've
2: i've read it's it's been a minute because when i first heard the phrase i i i wanted to look it up but um but it's been a minute
1: yeah well it's it's just a um it's a collaborative effort where uh done in sequence that's important where it could be writers, it could be artists. Uh, uh, I guess even musicians can do it. Where you only see the last chunk in the progression. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a um, there's there's a full page. They uh,
2: they 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 kind of
1: um, it's it's a weird page. But yeah, I, I yeah. Yes, yeah. It's kind of weird uh, when it's only two contributors. So they're they're going to see the. Most recent page in every instance when they get the yeah. when you know, but if you have like um I think it was uh kitchen sink uh published the narrative corpse, and there was a ton of creators on it, so um you know somewhere in the midstream you'd get somebody that worked on something that was literally uh contributed to by you know ten people, and they only see that last little slice of it and then they do their page and it's sent out and then the next person sees only theirs and it's a a narrative formed by uh a bunch of different hands not knowing what everybody else is doing so as you're as you're experiencing it it can go anywhere right uh yeah i love the exquisite corpse uh method it's it's just amazing and it's so creative because uh anything goes right Mm mm-hmm yeah sorry for the tangent it. Love tangents. All good. Got Jason. It.
0: Edumacation. Edumacation. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, there are six nominations this year for the Eisner's best graphic album. Uh, they include Pulp by Brubaker and Phillips, which we've all read and loved. Labyrinth by Ben Argon, which I just talked about a week or two ago, the biographical look at SART. Um, the Book Tour by Andy Watson, which I adored uh, and talked about a couple months back. And then three others. Dragman by Stephen Appleby. Uh, Paul at Home by Michael Robagliotti. And then Flake by Matthew Dooley. So uh, I have read now read four of the six. Including Flake by Matthew Dooley, uh, published by Jonathan Cape. It is absolutely delightful. It's his debut graphic novel. He wrote and drew it. Uh, He's a British chap. And this book is unabashedly British. Like, meaning that if you don't like British humor, don't read this book. But if you like British humor, this is like a perfect encapsulation of of that. And the premise is... um, an obtuse one. It's, it's a story about a man named Howard who inherited an ice cream truck from his dad and makes his living selling ice cream in a few blocks in London. And he's got an arch nemesis named Tony Augustus who has consolidated all the other ice cream trucks in the town um, and is, is now closing in on Howard's territory. And Howard's a simple dude. All he wants is to sell his ice cream and to do the crossword puzzle each day. That's pretty much his existence. Um, but things go hella fucking awry. And this book is just so wildly funny to me. Um, it's super dry. There's all kinds of puns. Uh, his artistic style is very graphic. It's it's uh, it, it's not dissimilar similar to, to Chris Ware uh, in that regard. Very simple Lines, geographic layouts, sixteen-panel grids, type of thing, um, but it really works for me. I think he executes it particularly well because of the humor, um, but it's like dry humor. I mean, it just it either tickles you or it doesn't. It humor's super subjective. I mean, there's one point where they're talking about all of the, the ice cream trucks that have been bought out by Tony Augustus, and uh, it's just different different little drawings of ice cream trucks and 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 their names like like Walt Whitman and dr frisbee's ice creams of distinction and the sherbert mobile and professor scrumptious Uh, and then there's a point where he's talking about the ice creams that he sells and and you've got all these different ice cream bars and it's like if you ever went to an ice cream truck as a kid that was what it was like you'd look at the you'd look at the pictures and think oh i'm gonna get that because the picture looks cool and and he gives you things like tombstone which is a it's a ice cream sandwich with with, (laughs) shaped like a tombstone with r.i.p on it or uh uh, just you know things like that and it's just like little things little sight gags that just cracked me up but the book has a ton of heart um, and, and there's a there's a uh, there's a history to uh, Tony Augustus and Howard and why they're rivals and it goes pretty deep deeper than, than one might think when you're just talking about selling ice cream um, and the things that happen during their their war if you will are, are absurd I mean at one point uh, Howard's ice cream truck ends up floating in the ocean. It, it's just it's crazy shit. And and I was thinking as I was reading it, like, man, you know, Edgar Wright would have an absolute blast direct, adapting this for a film. I mean, it 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 just would would be so great if he could do that. Um, I don't know that it'll ever happen, but uh, but it just struck me like that. So if you're into Edgar Wright films and you're into to dry British humor, then you really will understand why. Flake is nominated for best graphic album, along the likes of those other big books, and um, yeah, I, I I just gobbled it up. I think it's fantastic, and and such an it's always impressive to me when when someone debuts to, to this level of quality. So uh, Matthew Dooley's thirty five years old, and I'm sure this will not be the last we hear of him. So yeah, in your travels, check out Flake by Matthew Dooley um, because it very well could win the Eisner.
1: Nice nice all right everybody hey thanks for listening to this we hope you go out and buy the defenders and enjoy it uh in the meantime if you want uh even more eoc go to facebook reddit twitter and instagram lots of stuff flying around there go to uh, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics to see the other thing in the meantime say good (laughs) night And we'll be back in two days. Just to let you know, this is not the only one of these you're going to get this week. <laughs> it's amazing.
3: David.
1: Ah, uh, Good night. It's like the Omegatron. Yeah, right. The time tick, 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 tick to David. Tick, tick. tick and tick. there might be
2: something special in two days. Oh, very special. Yeah. So we'll see. should be fun. Definitely.
1: David. Wow. Didn't have the lilt, but it was good enough. Uh, yeah. Hey. Do what I can. What's this Batman eating pussy thing?
3: What is this
2: about? Oh, my God. Welcome to last week, bro.
1: Why? Yeah. Well, yeah, I I'm find- convinced. I
0: didn't pay any attention to it. The only mentions I saw of it were on our Slack.
2: So... In the upcoming season of the Harley Quinn cartoon, which, of course, for those of us who watch it know that it's for adults, it's very um, adult-oriented, DC or Warner Brothers, DC Comics proper told the animators, told the studio that um, they need to remove a scene uh, because Harley talks about Batman, eating out catwoman and dc's like heroes don't do that or rather rather our heroes who we try to sell toys to children to do not do that or at least don't talk about it and so of course everybody's like well it's bullshit of course batman would batman doesn't half-ass anything it's always 110 percent. so he doesn't seem like a selfish lover plus his head his his cowl has handles so it's like it's so but it just became a big thing and you have people who think he doesn't you have people who think he does and then you have other people who are making a list of other heroes who do or do not um well if selene is on the menu why wouldn't you that's what i'm saying so uh it just it 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 became this this huge fun thing uh say from um Zichun chun from from, from tko and he of course has written batman and he's like yeah he does and i mean you have some writers who were like i'm not gonna comment on that or i've written a character and i don't i never thought of it you know it's right. so but it's it it was it was an interesting uh the week uh online seeing some of the tweets going around and how that was it was you know what i it was nice to see that kind of topic being bandied about over some of the usual um negative and 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 depressing gotcha tweets and and yeah. like so it was it, it it was it was a nice change of pace it was funny people got a laugh out of it some people took it a little bit too serious um i get it. you know listen it's it's the corporate overlords and they're going to do what they do and say what they say and they have shit to protect but you also have to understand when uh considering what else is going on over the past two seasons in that cartoon um you know i think i think you can kind of laugh at yourself it's, not, it's i mean you know it's i mean i'm blown away at the fact that it looks like disney's actually going to make their first r-rated movie with 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 the next deadpool so um you know it's it's kind of a brave new world and i'm I'm a little i don't want to say i'm surprised at dc but it is it's it's weird that you know i mean it's the same company that uh allowed the Watchmen movie to you know be made off their property things like, it's it's like why do you why is this where like why is this the line that was drawn over this over, over throwaway line that you know unless you have hbo max who's going to see it
1: well, rape is okay, but consensual sex is not.
2: Right, yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, they'll still they'll they'll put out the killing joke animated movie
1: where God knows right. what
2: the hell Batman and Barbara were discussing and that I still haven't seen it, but to I me mean, but that that's fine. That that you know you can go out and
1: watch and, and buy, but but now right. you can't. I get it. I bet you poison ivy tastes like spinach.
2: See, I would think maybe it's more like cilantro. Oh mint. Spearmint. Right. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But
1: that's hopeful. Right. I think spinach is. We're out of here.
3: That's it for that one.